Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 114, and oh, look, I'm back in Grant Mansion. I, in my plush seat, I have a very special guest with me for another Isle of Ra book session. Um, he's just hung his coat up on the rack. He's made his way. He's made his way here. We're in front of a roaring fire. You can hear some classical music in the background. With me is Derek O'Neill from TV Podcast Industries. Hi, Derek. Hello there, Ray. This place is beautiful. Oh, thank you very much. It, it has a little bit of a musty smell, uh, maybe a little bit mm-hmm. of gunpowder, but uh, <laughs> that comes with the territory with Moon Knight, I guess. Again, he's uh, off cavorting and he's asked me to, to house it, which I don't mind. You know, I always tend to get Absolutely. guests over. But um, yeah. Derek, so glad to have you with us. Uh, I keep on saying us, it's just me. Uh, when I say us, I mean my identities, okay? Um, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, multiple personalities, right? <laughs> that's it. Uh, very glad to have you uh, with us. It's been a long time coming, but you've been on the show in the past, right? Uh, yes. I think we did uh, We did a little bit of voice work for some of your early episodes. I uh, did mm. some, of the, uh, some, some of the synopsis for, uh, for some of your issues that you were talking about uh, yes. early on. Um, yeah, it's but been, it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been ages, and uh, you know, between then as well, we've had uh, your your colleague uh, Chris Jones on a couple of times. Chris has been fantastic. Uh, a bit earlier on, I mentioned John, uh, mm-hmm. another one of the hosts. He was the absolute first guest that we ever had on our show. So uh, we hold, um, you know, previously known Defenders TV podcast dear to yes. our hearts. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, and we it's, hold ITK to really close to ours. You guys have, have been around now 114 episodes. I'm delighted for you guys. I really feel very privileged to be on uh, on the second in the second second uh, century of the podcast. Yeah. That's quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's great to have you on. I am I'm beaming because uh, yeah, I can't believe that I'm actually sitting here in front of you. You know, in front of this <laughs> roaring fire and with this bearskin mm-hmm. rug. Uh, yeah, um, to chat about your favourite favorite books now before we get into that just a little yeah. spiel to first-time listeners uh this is our isla Ra book session so derek has been invited over to grant mansion to uh tell us about his desert island books or what i like to call the isla Ra books uh four books that uh four single issues that he cannot live without if he was stuck on a desert island uh, these are the four books that he would take with him. Now, before that as well, we'd like to ask you know, a couple of questions to Derek uh, as well, mm-hmm. just to get to know him, what we do. We, we love to know more about our fellow loonies. So we usually ask the same uh, set of questions, Derek, to we, towards you, uh, a little uh, catered to you specifically towards the end. Yeah. Um, but I'd Excellent. like to first open the account with um, how did you first get into comics? <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna save a tiny bit of this story for later on for one of my choices for one of my books, if that's all right. Yeah, sure. um, but part, yeah, I think I think uh, Ireland's a bit weird. This is where I'm where I'm from. Um, we didn't have a huge amount of access to American comic books as such. What we had was uh, the Marvel UK reprints of uh, of multiple storylines and kind of all over the place. Uh, I don't know whether you whether people have talked about this before mm. on. Uh, 
on uh, the, the podcast here, Ray. But um, but effectively, it was kind of like reading just bits of stories. Um, and there was, you know, there's characters like Spider-Man was in there and they had Captain Britain was in there. And we had, you know, bits of, of Fantastic Four and all of these kind of characters appearing. And, you know, you just pick them up on, on the rack every week. But there was definitely no collecting until I was probably in my teenage years. So most of my my uh, fandom for superheroes kind of came from TV shows and movies more than anything else. Those are the things that I was obsessing about back in the 80s uh, yeah. when I was in my in my, my early years mm-hmm. and then kind of pick up a comic book here and go, oh, I recognize that character from the cartoons like Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I recognize <laughs> Spider-Man and all of those characters. I think the way they, they compile those books would usually be kind of connected to, um, you know, bringing in a bunch of other characters from the Marvel Universe as crossover stories. Um, right. That's probably where that's probably my first experience of of those comic books would have been uh, would have been that so kind of picking them up just off the rack. Right, that that really actually interests me because I have heard about it before as well, Derek. I think from mm-hmm. a lot of uh, European like listeners and people that I get in touch with. So, are they like is he saying like a mishmash of of stories and stuff and kind of all kind of bundled together? Are they uh, mm-hmm. canon? Like, are they part of canon? So they took, say, Fantastic Four issue three five five, and they mm-hmm. they took. So with, are they or are they independent stories? Like, are they just kind of made up through Marvel UK? Would that be? There right? are. There's a kind of a mix of both, actually. Uh, and right. I was reading a little bit about it because I was trying to remember what the name of the book was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. It's. Uh, yeah. No. It's very strange. I mean, like, I wonder if the collector would. Uh, I don't know, value those sorts of comics. I mean, they they sound like they're, I don't know, it's um, it's a very strange thing. We, did, we don't have anything like that over here, obviously. Um, yeah, like a, a lot of them would have been put together to kind of uh, combat, you know, the, the the UK books at the time. Things like the Beano and the Dandy, the kind of, the funny books, I suppose, if, if you've ever seen them, there's the normal comic books, um, which had very short stories, three or four pages long. Um, okay. And then they would effectively reprint a few a few pages or a full storyline from one of the uh, one of the Marvel books, and then put a couple of a uh, couple of backup stories. Um, so you did have some characters being created specifically for Marvel UK throughout the eighties, and you had some stories like there there is some Nick Fury stories that were only only appeared in the UK and never appeared reprinted outside of there. Uh, so some of those would be absolutely um, wanted those kind of stories that were only created there and never reprinted, um, but. But for the most part, it was kind of like, I think, if I remember rightly, one of them would have been they take, you know, three or four issues, spread it over a few months, and it might even be out of order just to give a story and just give some backup stories. But it wasn't made for collectors as such. It was kind of made for something to for kids to read when they were waiting in the dentist's office and stuff. Yeah. Was it in colour or black and white? Or? Um, it was in black and white. Oh, for really? The most part. Yeah. Yeah. With a, with a colour cover. Yeah, right. That's how I was kind of imagining it. And was it like a fully sized one, or were they kind of small digest kind of books? Um, if I remember rightly, that they were full size. They were kind of they, they would sit right beside a Beano comic, um, oh, okay. that kind of size. If if you know that size, of course. Yeah, I always forget. Yeah, right. People might not have seen Beano on the stands. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you mentioned uh, so a lot of your your kind of gateway um, to comics books and, and characters with through the TV shows. Um, we're yeah. talking like we're, we're about the same vintage, Derek. I'm, I think we're about, know, about comfortable the same, to yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, so the greatest American hero, would have, I'm throwing a few out here for you. Was, was, did that tickle your fancy? 
Absolutely, that was that was uh, every Saturday night, uh, along with uh, a bit of the A Team and a bit of Night Rider and yes. uh, all that kind of stuff. We definitely got repeats of uh, of the Spider Man uh, live action TV show. I th- I'm absolutely certain that Incredible Hulk was still going uh, when I was when I was a young TV watcher. Um, so yeah, there's lots of stuff. There was a live action Spider Man um, show. Yeah, really? Absolutely. Oh wow! Yeah. I, I only remember the movie with the the guy that used to be in the Sound of Music. Um, there you home. go, same guy. Was oh, the same guy? He had a TV show. Yeah. Wow. Yes, okay. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, so now it would have been because yeah. obviously being in Ireland, it would have been released probably a couple of years after uh, it was on in in the US. But yeah, I definitely yeah. remember watching that when I was very young. Uh, it was basically a guy with uh, with a web made out of str- made out of rope uh, that he just throw it over, <laughs> yeah. throw over the top of people. But uh, yeah, yeah, it went on for quite a while. Right. Yeah, I remember the movie. The movie was. Um, you know, it kind of etched in my mind a bit. I remember he went on top of, was it Empire State Building? He had this some sort of mind mm-hmm. control thing on him. Did, did, had, did, <laughs> had you seen the movie as well, Derek? I am certain that I have. It's been a long time. It's one of those yeah. ones that's definitely burnt into the back of my memory. Um, and I certainly remember playing at being Spider-Man in, in school the following week. Yeah. Uh, but I probably couldn't go in depth into the details of, of, uh, of the storylines. Uh, okay. But it was much more of a much more of protect the city from bank robbers type guy. I yes. don't think there was very many supervillains in there. No. And, and I do remember one of the uh, lasting memories is um, him wall crawling. But they used to always, mm-hmm. always wall crawl like from a distance because they yes. couldn't show, you know... <laughs> Obviously, they couldn't let you know that there were the strings and cables holding him up. But it was pretty impressive because, like, he, he tended to scale the wall pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and I think they used a similar technique that they used on Batman, where they uh, the the early series from the '60s, where they just kind of had him just going sideways up a piece of uh, piece of ground and just oh, turning the camera sideways. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah that's right. Yeah. That old chestnut. Yeah, that that, <laughs> um, that worked well. Uh, and of course, yeah, the Incredible Hulk. That was one of my favorite shows as well i'm sure you watched it on a um, you know religiously as well absolutely yeah yeah bill bixby fantastic in that role uh, you know always always loved it um again you know the, the way that we had to watch these shows as the procedurals that they were you know they weren't built because um they weren't built in the way the shows are now where you're going to be watching mm. the next episode next week you never know when you're going to see another episode they're completely out of order yeah. they're completely standalone it's every episode was guy comes into town has to solve a problem Guy leaves town yes. at the end of the episode, so perfectly built yeah. for us as kids. It was great. It was great, and, and yeah. the big difference for me, I guess, for that show was there's always that t- tinge of sadness at the end. You know that that piano oh, yeah. music. It was the music was was haunting. I, I think it was really very memorable. You know, there's, I think every single person of our age group, if you play the Lonely Man yes. theme, the, the theme from that, will get a little tear in their eye. Yeah. Or pick up a, a bag and throw it over one shoulder and start to walk away. <laughs> I sometimes <laughs> think that, you know, the amount of emotion that that generated um, was way more than was needed for the TV show. You know what I mean? Like, it was too powerful for it, but I'm glad it was in there. It was, it was really good. Um, I don't know if you've watched any of the shows recently, Derek. I I watched some of them. Uh, unfortunately for me, like they've dated. Oh, I don't know if you still oh, yeah. like them. So they um, but it was, that was a great show. Yeah, definitely. Oh, um, oh, they've definitely dated. And I think that I think that's the thing you learn over over time. You know, I will. I'm sure we'll get a little bit into my podcasting, and I suppose why I'm here. But um, one of the big things for us as kids and these shows that were there, you know, they were just there to show off the character they weren't there and fill up a bit of time on tv really you know it certainly wasn't a major storyline that was playing out over the course of however many seasons these shows got you know they gave you a lovely storyline 
but they didn't play into it every single week. You know, I remember oh, no. a disco episode. I remember a comedy episode. I remember, <laughs> yeah. you know, everything going on, you know, horror episodes, stuff like that, just throwing in there just to fill up some time on TV. They certainly didn't have the structure that we have now where we're, where you have to watch a whole hundred episodes to guess what's happening in the current episode. You know, definitely wasn't like that. So. Absolutely. And I know it was kind of further down the track. Um, are you a, a big... Uh, uh, had you watched The X-Files a lot? Are you a big fan or...? Do you know, weirdly, X-Files, there's a couple of TV shows that should be right in my wheelhouse. And X-Files is absolutely one of them. And I only watched about six episodes. And it's terrible. Oh, I know. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's one of those shows that kind of came out uh, at a time when I was when I was traveling quite a bit. I was traveling to the US uh, when it was very popular. Um, and it was, it was on very late at night as well. It was on about 11 or 12 p.m. in Ireland. It was kind of put into you know, this kind of dead zone uh, late at night and became really this cult hit when I didn't have a huge event of friends that were into cult stuff to push it on me. Um, but <laughs> after the fact, I have seen a lot of it since. Um, my, my podcasting partner, John, is, is a huge fan. He showed me uh, all of the best episodes, but I missed them all at the time. So. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, well, because I was about to um, say, because... I'm sure there are other shows before that that did it, but that started to really tie a a, um, a larger arc uh, in the whole series. It, it was you very much. I mean, it started out as like a monster of the week kind of thing as well, isolated cases. But then they introduced the whole conspiracy thing. Uh, the aliens are out there, and that started to have a, a running thread. And I think that's kind of where yeah you see like the the TV shows these days. Um, where they are very much attuned of having a, a huge arc, you know, which, um, yeah, which you kind of you kind of have to know. Even like you know, Agents of Shield. Even that, I don't know. What would you say for that? Well, that would conceivably be kind of you can jump in really to any episode. I'd say. Um, yeah. Yeah. No? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. I'd say there's there's probably the big difference with these shows is that they're 22 episodes with Agents of Shield particularly. It's 22 episodes, and what I see a lot now that I probably wouldn't have seen 10 years ago and I've kind of reacted a little bit sometimes in our podcast about it I see people's comment about TV shows now going oh that was a wasted episode Mm -hmm. Um, or why can't they just get to the point and just get back to the story as if they want the show to finish and I'm not like that. I'm not, I'm not that guy that wants, you know, if, if I go to the cinema and see a two-hour movie, I want to see a start, middle, and end. I get that. But if I'm watching a TV show and the characters are well-drawn, I could watch that show for 10 years, uh, Walking Dead. Um, you know, I, could, I can totally stay with the characters. If it's well-written and they're, and they're doing things that I'm interested in, I can stay with it forever, like I did when I was a kid. I still have that in mind. But when people tell me that, you know, the Marvel Netflix shows should be less than 13 episodes, I'm kind of going, well, you know, justify that. Tell me why you didn't like it you know, five episodes of that show was maybe the show just wasn't for you. You know, if you didn't like spending time with the characters, maybe it just wasn't for you, you know? Um, but that's kind of, yeah, bugbear. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a very good point actually, because I mean, that mm. really has come up. I was at the, um, my local comic book short store just, the, just today talking to, to Jim, who's, uh, the manager over there. And we're talking about the boys, which, um, TV podcast industries are currently covering, uh, fantastic, yeah. uh, series, Derek. I'm, I'm only, I'm really slow now with watching TV shows. I'm only up to the third episode. So, um, but I'm, I'm saving your episodes. So, I, you know, I don't <laughs> get spoiled or anything. Um, so I'm up to speed with, um, TV podcast industries, but I'm obviously watching it, uh, listening to it as I watch, um, you know, as I finish watching each episode, but we were talking about the episodes there, and I think I believe is it is it eight episodes um, for the whole season for the boys. That's right. Yeah, just the eight episodes. Oh yeah, 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 just the eight episodes. Um, yeah, it's uh, 
and we're talking about how kind of it's taking it's leaning more towards I guess the um, like the BBC productions and stuff where where TV shows uh, there are a lot less episodes but a lot better produced each um, you know with the money spent elsewhere uh, but I, I do like your point about how the 13 episodes um, yeah it is a TV show isn't it people do kind of view it and expect it to be more like a movie now because um, because it's so tied and it's so kind of tight like TV shows now in general yeah I think I, I think part of it comes from you know the Netflix idea of dropping a show um, all in one day and people want to finish it there's, there's that attitude of the first thing, which is the internet commenting of, I want to be the first to say I finished it. So if you tell me I have to watch 22 hours of it, well, I can't do that in one day. So <laughs> why not give me half that time and then I can do it in one day, you know? Um, but like, you know, I suppose you, you mentioned the BBC thing of it being, you know, six to eight episodes on a, on a TV show. There are absolutely terrible BBC shows as well. That yeah, are six right. straight episodes long. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> what, get what breaks out of the UK and into American and, and into Australian stuff. A lot of those are the really good productions. So, um, so and remember, BC is BBC is, is uh, license fee funded in the UK. So they are now partnering up with people like HBO and Show and, and Showtime in the US to make these shows right. um, to get more budget into them. But the reason why it was six episodes is because they can't really justify spending loads of taxpayers' money on you know twenty two right. episodes of Doctor Who, for example. <laughs> you know, actually, why don't why don't you give us more episodes of the news uh, than instead of Doctor Who would probably be a lot of the the kind of questions that will come out there. But no, I totally agree. You know, the idea of, of short form storytelling is really good as well, but it's kind of, to me, sometimes it's kind of in between that that 22 episode show and the movies. It's somewhere in between the two of those. And and the one thing I, I would say about the boys, and I, I found it really funny, they were out promoting the boys at San Diego Comic-Con uh, the week before it was released, and they announced season two was coming. Yeah, very quick. <laughs> So I was kind of going, hang on a second. So I know you're saying it's eight episodes, but actually you've told us it's 16 episodes split in half over the course of two years. <laughs> That's the way I'd see it. But okay. So you, so the, the other eight episodes have been filmed. Has that been released? or like as it, as it's, it's, They're currently filming the second season right now. They started filming um, last week. So closely behind after filming the first season, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know what I mean. It kind of feels a little bit, a little bit uh, different than than, um, than it has been in the past. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting stuff. No, like, like, yeah, <laughs> especially with the BBC and all that. Um, anyway, look, trying to uh, we'll bring this back uh, a little bit as well. Um, look, I wanted to, uh, to get your thoughts. Actually, before I get into how you get into Moon Knight, <laughs> I want to know um, how you. Was it through the, those um, those books that you saw from the newsstand? Uh, how do you get into to Nick Fury? Like what what actually uh-huh. what made you decide? Yep, yep, I'm going to really follow this title. I am going to save that story for, okay, um, okay. for our top four because that is uh, that is absolutely the reason I got into Nick Fury is from the top four. But I will preface it by saying he was in those Marvel UK comics. He was quite a regular backup. Um, he was also the the Sergeant Fury character, which was the earlier version of Nick Fury, where he was a sergeant in the army in World War Two. There was a lot of war comics uh, that were going on in the UK at the time, and you would absolutely see Fury on the shelves quite regularly uh, on the cover of his own UK book, okay. uh, telling stories about about war in war comics. So I was very aware of him throughout those early years, uh, and the book that I'm going to talk about later on is the reason why I became a Nick Fury fan. 
There you go. Okay, okay, cool. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put a pin in it there and uh, we'll come back. Because uh, hopefully, if you can remind me if I forget, it's just uh, also uh, about, like war, as you mentioned, war comics and espionage. Uh, I'll get into that once we get into into that uh, story. Okay, well, also another one of the core questions we do ask, obviously this is a Moon Knight podcast. Uh, Derek, now, um, I'm actually not too familiar with how familiar you are with Moon Knight. Yeah. But, um how how did you get into well into or aware of Moon Knight? You know, I am going to give you guys most of the credit for that. Um, <laughs> okay. To be completely honest, oh, right. um, okay. I have I, I have gone back through because so I, I recently went through my whole collection of comics. We've we moved countries about two years ago. We moved to Switzerland um, from Ireland about two years ago, and I have all my comic books with me. And I recently went through them all um, to kind of just make sure I knew exactly what was in the collection. And I have tons of comics that, that feature Moon Knight. Over okay. The years. I, I was an avid collector when I was collecting books of uh, of things like Marvel Team Up and Marvel Two and One. Uh, and there was a, there's quite a few issues that that Moon Knight popped in with the Thing weirdly and with uh, with Spider Man, uh, which kind of is is doable. Uh, but I've definitely seen Moon Knight many times in those kind of books. I suppose um, apart from my very singular focus in Marvel on Nick Fury, which is a weird focus, I uh, will definitely be going into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> apart from that, I've certainly picked up a lot of team books more than anything else. Um, and seeing Moon Knight pop in and out of those books was always was always interesting. But over the last couple of years, I would say you guys have opened my eyes quite significantly to the world of Moon Knight and how interesting and different he is as a character to uh, to what is in is in Marvel. I mean, having seen him in those team-ups and in the team books, mm-hmm. well, were you aware of like his um, situation, as in like multiple identities and stuff, or um, did you see him more of uh, <laughs> a... Uh, <clears throat> A bat- Batman um, kind of rip-off? <laughs> yes, you're not allowed to say that. <laughs> you're not allowed to say that. No, I'll know, beat honestly, myself out, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say, honestly, you know, at times I'd probably confuse him with uh, with uh, Cloak from Cloak and Dagger. Um, oh, that okay. That kind of character, you know, because of the because of the mask and the, and the look. I knew he had a white cape rather than a black cape, uh, effectively, which made the big difference between, uh, between Cloak and Moon Knight. Um, but he seemed like another brawler, effectively, another character that would come in and, and beat people up. Um, and side by side with some of the heroes, but they never really went in too, de- too deep into the character of Moon Knight. So I wouldn't have known much about him at all until I started reading some of the some of the books more recently um, that have gone in, in depth. Into. Yeah, I think that that's probably also due to kind of two things as well. I mean, one, uh, as you kind of alluded to, he's seen as a brawler, and he's always, I guess, his what do you call it, his skills or his power sets has always been quite ambiguous. Um, so yeah. you never really know what he can do. Is, is he just a normal dude, you know, who just uh, who happens to be highly skilled running around? Um, like even Daredevil's uh, a great fighter, but at least he's got, you know, heightened senses and all that. Um, but someone so flamboyantly dressed, um, <laughs> you'd expect that there'd be something, you know, fantastic to him <laughs> as in no, he is fantastic but i mean like um yes. you know uh, <laughs> he does get the moon powers in in volume two but again that was a very fleeting thing uh one of the books no spoilers one of the books of derek's uh does contain moon knight in there so that's uh that's pretty cool <laughs> as well <laughs> i like that and i like yeah, I like the variant cover as well, Derek. That was um, that was pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, sorry, just <laughs> before we get into that as well, I just want to again another thing to the um, to the listeners. Um, so in the links uh, connected to this episode uh, are Derek's top four books. Now, I'll leave it up to you, the listeners. You can either 
have a click now and um, discover what books Derek will take with him to the Isle of Ra uh, and read them and then come back and listen to um, us discussing it or or you can um, just wait and be surprised as we reveal them uh, when Derek and I get into them. <laughs> with but, a flourish. Yeah, they're pretty cool indeed. Uh, Derek, I don't know about you, um, are you up for mm-hmm. a, a bit of a tipple? Oh yes, please. Excellent, let me just uh, ring this little bell. Okay, now um, while we just wait for Samuels, uh, I'm going to go into another one of our core questions, Derek. Now, uh, as mentioned before, Chris Jones from TV Podcast Industries uh, has been on the show and he has kind of given a bit of insight how he kind of met up with you and John and how uh, Defenders TV Podcast kind of started. But I, I want to hear it, I guess, from you, Derek. Like podcasting. <laughs> how how did it kind of? How did you catch the bug of podcasting? Why the hell have you recorded four hundred episodes? Is what you're really asking. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it's very weird. I, I started out listening to podcasts because I'm, I'm a gamer, um, and I started listening to podcasts of reviews of games, effectively, um, years ago. So I think Podcast Beyond would be probably the the biggest one. I'm a PlayStation gamer, particularly. Um, and they provided just this really interesting discussion format where they took you know four or five games that were coming out that week, some news, and chatted about them every week. And the, the personalities of the people on there just really made me interested. And then kind of I, I joined the community of people that talked within PlayStation and beyond community. So I started to talk to all of them about about games and stuff, you know. Um, and then, it, so I listened to that. I must have been a year. It was the only podcast I listened to, basically, just oh, over wow. and over again. Was it a weekly? Episodes. It was a weekly podcast, yeah. And weirdly, then, Walking Dead, the announcement came out, I think, around the time when I was listening to podcasts that Walking Dead was becoming a TV show. And I was like, I wonder, do they do TV podcasts? <laughs> Little knowing that, really, the big podcasting section is... You know, something lost, I think, kind of kicked off TV podcasting, this idea of watching a TV show and talking about the connections and what could possibly be happening, this whole concept. Um, So I came I came to listening to TV podcasting a bit later than than most people. Um, But it was because of Walking Dead. I want I didn't have any friends at the time that were reading comic books. I loved the Walking Dead comic book and I knew the show was coming out. I really wanted to listen to a show that had the connection to um to people that would read the comic books and, and watch the TV show. So that, that's kind of where it, that my, my love for it came from, uh, particularly a, a podcast called The Walking Deadcast, um, which had, had two of my favorite people in the world uh, now. They're, they're good friends of mine now, but two of them are uh, host of the podcast and just went back and forth every episode and talked about uh, talked about comic books and talked about the show, you know. So that's kind of where my love came, for it, came from for it. And then it felt like, and I think you've probably had this moment where you go, well, if they can do it, why can't I? That's where I was kind of I was I was going to ask you next because yeah the technical <laughs> side of it um, but yeah you're right right on point it was kind of like the same thing it's like well it can't be that hard can it can it so, exactly. yeah. if these guys can do it I can do it right, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then you realise everything that you think uh, is it works and everything that you think is is good for recording uh, doesn't actually work as as well as you think it does and all your knowledge of the computer that you think you know. That uh, doesn't work either. So, uh, so yeah. So I probably went into this kind of uh, this thing that a lot of people that podcasts go through, which is I'll start it in four or five months when I write a good outline, or I'll start it in four or five months when I get the right TV show to talk about, or whatever it is. And doubting that you're going to be able to do it, you know. Um, and that's where I 
missed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I suppose, would be where, I suppose that's where we were aiming for, was aiming for the start of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., kicking off with uh, with the review of episode one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's where we were aiming for, mm-hmm. and we just missed it completely because uh, life took over, and um, I was totally bummed about the idea of not starting, uh, starting podcasting about my favorite character with the knowledge that I had of the character in the comic books. Um, and then found some amazing podcasts out there that already covered it and went, oh, well, oh, bo- they're doing oh, that one. Bo- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're doing that one. I'll uh, I'll find something else in the future. And so was it always, um, was John and Chris always on board, or at least John was always on board as well? Was he going through um, the, the same, um, I guess, uh, realisation of podcasting as you at the same time? Yes, John, definitely. I think I, I'm the one that was bringing home the podcast and going, listen to this one, and now check out this one, and now try this one. Um, <laughs> so I, I was I was bringing them home to him and going, right, you you need to get on board, you need to get started, and we need to work out how to do a podcast about this stuff. Because um, myself and John's relationship absolutely is, uh, we talk so much about movies and talk so much about TV shows and so much about comic books, the two of us are, would, would just, without having a microphone anywhere near us, we would just talk about that stuff anyway. So... Uh, so it always felt like the right choice to have John involved. Okay, so the inclination, I guess, of, of just chatting and it, it being a, a chat amongst yourselves to discuss something seemed to be like a very natural thing. Um, but to actually, you know, stick a microphone in front of you, was there any reservations on your, your behalf with John in doing it? And, and if so, who kind of pushed the other? I guess it was, was yourself, yeah? To push, um... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I think Chris calls me the producer, um, <laughs> and I have I have been the producer of the podcast before. I was the only editor on it, which I am now. I'm the kind of writer editor, and, and I, I kind of set up the episodes for the guys to to just be able to talk. Uh, but I'm also the guy that has the leash to, to calm them down when when we need to make sure that this podcast can be listened to by more than five people um, as well. <laughs> so you know we need to calm down the language. And we need to talk a little bit less about the sex, you know, that kind of stuff. Which because uh, we said it's a PG podcast, they're the best bits, Derek. That's the outtakes. Yes, <laughs> there's, there's you know there's a, there's a few paths you can't go down if you call yourself a PG podcast, which, nah, we, which we have done for for 400 episodes. So um, so I, ha- I do have to rein them in occasionally, but uh, but yeah, that's that's always where a lot of the a lot of the fun that we get out of out of podcasting comes from that sometimes we can't share with our listeners yeah <laughs> and um and of course so yourself and john and chris um came on board. i remember chris saying that um work colleague an ex-work colleague um that yeah. kind of knew each other um so uh, were you and chris uh, listening to the same sorts of things as well or and you pitched this idea to chris to to jump on board Chris is a massive Kevin Smith fan, uh, and if you're a Kevin Smith fan, you love podcasts, basically. Ah, uh, Kevin of Smith course, is, is of course. Oh, yes. the creator yes, of, that, a... of that side of the podcast universe. So, um, yeah, so Chris is also a massive gamer as well, and uh, back in the days when I used to smoke, um, and myself and Chris worked together, so both of us would go out for cigarettes and talk about the nerdy stuff <laughs> in the world, and uh, and then, yeah, we'd get on to gaming, and we'd get on to podcasting quite a bit, so... Um, myself and John started out the Gotham TV podcast and then about six to eight months later, oh gosh, I've got my timings right, it might even be a year later, we we kicked off Defenders TV podcast talking about Marvel stuff and we needed another voice, we needed something different because with Gotham TV podcast we were doing 22 episodes, which is half a year of commitment for myself and John. Um, John used to travel a lot for work as well, so uh, so John, John and myself, I think, did every single episode of Gotham TV podcast. 
whereas we needed another couple of voices in for Defenders TV podcast so that we could at least hand off and say, right, if I'm not here, someone else can take my place or John's place. So that that's kind of where it came from. Uh, and yeah, Chris and myself would talk constantly about, about uh, all this stuff anyway, so it was a natural choice. Ah, excellent. And um, again, I, I think I mentioned this with Chris, uh, I remember, was it I- Irene? Was Irene, the, the yes. Fourth? Did I get a name right? Yes. No. Yes, you did, absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. Irene, um, yep, she was our original fourth host. Um, very much came from the idea of Defenders TV podcast, um, because Defenders on, on Netflix had the four characters, had, uh, had oh, uh, okay. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, um, Daredevil and uh, Jessica Jones, so um, yeah, so we had to have uh, had to have Irene in there. Uh, we want we did we did want a female perspective. She is she is someone that loves TV shows and movies as well, and we did want to have that female perspective coming into such a massive undertaking that was the Marvel Netflix shows. Um, so it was great having having her involved when she could be involved at the time. I did love. I think in our first or second episode when we introduced and I think we we started to kind of jokingly say that which character we were in the in the Defenders TV podcast. And I love that. I think Chris came in first and said he's he's Jessica Jones. His, <laughs> na- his surname is Jones. So I, I love the kind of joke about that that Chris would always take Jessica Jones as his character and I would be struggling finding which of the other three <laughs> she's supposed to be. But, uh, yeah, exactly. but she thought it was hilarious as well. So yeah. yeah, no, that's good. No, it's it's great. And, and does she? Um, I mean, do you, do you, does she still? Do you guys still regularly? Obviously, you do. It's not like she's like gone somewhere. I mean, you regularly still, <laughs> yes, um, um, you know, meet up and stuff. Um, still like talking about the, you know, about TV shows with her and. Um, yeah, yeah, she came to visit us uh, in Switzerland a bit, uh, about three weeks ago. Um, so she's been over quite recently. Uh, we haven't gotten a mic in front of her face, unfortunately, for for quite a while. Um, okay. We tried to get it for our, for our, I think it was our two hundredth episode of uh, two hundred episode. I think it was our two hundredth episode of, of uh, Defenders TV podcast. We tried to get her um, in time, but unfortunately, just timing didn't work out. So, uh, so we haven't been able to get her back on board. But that's uh, that's just life. Sometimes it happens. No, it is true. Yeah, you're right. I mean, life and and people have obviously commitments and stuff. But you know, that's a shame. Like, because I yeah, I do remember fondly uh, the the early mem- um, early episodes that you guys did, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I definitely remember the intros that you guys um, that, that you guys <laughs> you know how you introduced yourself. I thought that was pretty funny. It was really cool. I think that was the first uh, the first negative review we received in what? iTunes. Really? Uh, <laughs> yep. The first negative review we received was uh, was Someone like didn't a like two star review going. Yeah, there were there there were it was like a two star review saying these guys think they're funny. Uh, they should <sighs> they should stick to the serious stuff. <laughs> really? Uh, I love I love negative reviews. They're hilarious. That's oh, right. yeah, I don't know they are, aren't they? Oh, well, any, yeah. Anyway, the people can be very. <laughs> Um, I hear, uh, oh, I hear some foot, thank you, oh, here's Samuels, uh, thank you, Sam. you took your sweet time, Samuels, what's going on, you, you know, you're losing it a bit, uh, anyway, here's our, our guest, Derek, um, Derek is with us for another Isle of Ra, yes, and, uh, and Derek, yeah, what can, uh, Samuels grab for you? Oh, Samuels, can you get me, um, a whiskey, please? Ah, a whiskey man, same, same, yeah. same, Derek, um. Yes, Samuels, uh, the finest whiskey that we have, or that Mark has, anyway. Um, <laughs> excellent. How do you take it, Derek? Uh, just straight. 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 Uh, excellent. Again, ex- this, this man does not mess around. Uh, thank mm. you very much, Samuels. Uh, just make that too. Make it easy. Thank you very much, and uh, yeah, please hurry back. Okay, as Samuels, he's, Thanks, Samuel. he's a bit, uh, you know... He's a bit lackadaisical today, Derek. I don't know what's going on. It took his sweet time, but hopefully he doesn't spit in our whiskey. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> uh, anyway, so 
We were talking about podcasting as well. So Gotham, so you mentioned uh, you guys kicked off uh, with Gotham after losing uh, a bit of timing with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and getting that yeah. started. Uh, a, big, uh, a big DC Batman fan. Uh, is that is that what why why Gotham? I mean, there were a lot of TV shows, right? Um, that you could choose. There were, from. there were. Yeah, I think um, we Agents of Shield was was probably number one choice. That was straight there. That was right exactly where I wanted to watch. But um, the Christopher Nolan films, I think, uh, have such a special place in John's heart. Uh, he's a massive fan of him as a as a director. And then when Batman and, and the Batman series came out, John fell in love with all of those movies. And I think what people kind of forget now about Gotham, because it's finished now it's, um, after its fifth year, was that there was still huge amount of positive thoughts around uh, around Dark Knight Rises. Um, still a lot of people were big fans of that, and it was a massively successful movie. And the announcement of Gotham came very quickly after that movie came out of theaters. I think it, was, I think it might have even been about a month after it came out on, on DVD. Uh, the announcement that, that this prequel series was coming uh, came out. Um, so both of us were kind of going, right, well, we know a lot about Batman. I've read Batman for years. You know, I'm not, not, I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't, I would say he's probably my number one DC character, DC main universe character, I suppose. Um, I know more about him than, than any other DC character, let's put it that way. Um, mm-hmm. And John would have been a massive fan of, of his as well. We have a huge Batman collection. Um, but I think once we started seeing all the people involved in the show and all the people that were that, and how they were gearing up to to do Gotham as a TV show, once we started seeing that, we were really intrigued in doing the podcast. And I think we did something. I, I don't know. I don't want to put words in you in you guys' mouth on, on ITK. I know you guys love Moon Knight to bits, but I think we did something similar to the way you guys started out your podcast, which was this idea of. Moon Knight's eventually going to get a TV series. Yeah, so yeah, let's yeah, get in yeah. here now and talk about our book and talk about our guy and get get people to know who we are and why we're interested in this character. And yes. when eventually the Moon Knight show comes around, which it will, I'm sure it will, <laughs> or the Moon Knight yes. movie, when it does come around, you guys are number one. You, you guys are going to be the people that, that will have all that knowledge and all that backup to be able to talk about the character better than anybody else that, that tries to do a podcast about it. You know, um, So that's how we started Gotham TV Podcast. We started that in, in February of 2014 I think so, yeah, wow. 2019 now. so Fe- February 2014 um, the first episode of Gotham premiered for critics late March 2014 um, so they were still filming the pilot uh, they hadn't cast some of the main cast for the show um, before we before we started doing the podcast so we were there before some of the first members of the cast for the show were <laughs> wow. on board <laughs> Um, so yeah, so weekly we talked. We talked about our connections. We talked about the books that may be used as the basis of the show and uh, movies that have been out there. We did uh, we did reviews of the, of the animated movies and all that kind of stuff to build up our knowledge uh, with with our audience effectively of what we thought was going to happen on the show um, when it eventually came out. And then we made a really stupid mistake. <laughs> We got to the release of the first episode, which uh, which we saw. We got we got we we got access to the first episode and recorded our podcast. We went to New York Comic Con and saw the second episode while we were there, and then we came back to Ireland and didn't contact anybody in the PR department for for that company. And it took seven months for Gotham to premiere in Ireland. No, (laughs) no, because and that's not the first time like it's happened like since with with shows, right? That's so annoying. 
Yeah, absolutely. So we we never got our connection with the PR people set up properly. We got like we got access to a lot of a lot of interviews with cast over the years from the PR people, which was fabulous, which was really really good. But because we didn't really know what we were doing to begin with, we didn't get any access to. Uh, review copies of the show so we ended off having to go well either we illegally downloaded and talk about this these shows after illegally downloading them um or we wait until it airs and be the uk and ireland yes podcast about about the show um what you don't realize is that the show runs out of steam quite quickly um when you know gotham started out with something like 12 or 13 million viewers live in the u.s and dropped down to about uh, six million by the end of the first season, and I would suppose I would guess by the time it came to the UK, a lot of people had already seen it, you know, and, and weren't watching it live. So we lost a lot of the momentum. We did we built it back up over the years, but we lost a lot of the momentum by making that decision to not uh, to not um, look at it illegally. I suppose. Yeah, it, it's, it's certainly a um, it's such a learning process, isn't it? Just uh, like podcasting in general, and I mean, you, you guys have taken it to another step, trying to sync it and, and contact you know the actual shows itself mm, um yeah. but yeah no you're spot on as well Derek. i mean that's kind of you know one of the reasons as well um you know moon knight uh, why we chose it mm-hmm. as well uh it just seemed like a hole that needed to be plugged <laughs> that, you Absolutely. know potentially uh, especially with the rise of the netflix shows and stuff it, it seemed like there was a lot of potential there um but yeah i mean obviously we, we do love the character uh and it just seemed like a nice fit you had Hannibal in between there as well, somewhere, right? Is that yes? Yeah, uh, and that was, was that because you both loved that particular show, um, because it's not exactly comic book or anything kind of related. It's not no, and, and no. interestingly, that was our our first TV podcast industry show, and our only one for years. The only one that that just sat on TV podcast industries, and that was Irene and John uh, for the most part. Um, oh, they okay. did the third season of Hannibal um, so they jumped on board to a show they both absolutely adored and both of them loved talking about we lived with Irene for a while uh, many many years ago but both myself and John and so we've been long long time friends uh, with Irene and the two of them loved that horror style and that, that style of, uh, of, uh, of that show Hannibal so they wanted to do a podcast themselves so, um, so the two of them did that Were you a fan as well of Hannibal? I absolutely adore Hannibal um, but I had so much other stuff on my plate at the time that I that, that I said it would be really interesting for the two of them to do the podcast together. I think I actually only appeared on the final episode. I think oh. I did the last the last episode with the two of them. Uh, I popped in and, and and popped up with my thoughts. But uh, I love the idea of the two of them doing something a bit more a bit more adults and a bit more a bit different. Um, you know, that's the John's um, John and, and Irene can get into so much more depth than than I can on uh, on, on characters and, and what the meaning of behind everything that's going on is. So, uh, so I really wanted to hear what they would do in a podcast. And um, they're talking again about um, John's talking definitely about doing Penny Dreadful, which is another one of his shows that he absolutely loved. And um, that's coming back next year uh, with a new sh- new oh, series. Oh, of course, that's right. is it called Penny Dreadful as well. It, it is uh, it, it Penny Dreadful LA, basically, but that sounds really bad. So I'm trying to think of the, what the actual extension on the end of Penny Dreadful is. But uh, but yeah, that's coming back next year, and John is absolutely dying to talk about that universe and that that interesting weird darkness that was in uh, was in Penny Dreadful. So so that's going to be another one of his joints. Yeah, I, I think you were, I heard about that somewhere as well. I think that John was keen to do it. I think maybe on Facebook, but. Um, but because I, I, I thought that's interesting because it's it's over, 
Uh, and you guys don't really do retrospectives. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> you usually do hit the current um, the current shows out there. But okay, right. So there is a new one. That's great. Then I do love. Um, is it John Logan? I think he's a showrunner. Um, he's, the showrunner, yes. He's fantastic. Um, so, yeah, okay, keeping my eye out for that. And I promise I wasn't looking at the internet while I was talking there, but it's City of Angels. It's Penny Dreadful City of Angels, of course, not L.A., because that would sound really, really yeah. bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, City of Angels sounds, yeah, sounds, sounds a lot better, I think. Um, yeah, so, okay, so there was Hannibal in there as well, and then, uh, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you, you chose to do Netflix, um, the Defenders series. Did you expect it to go for that long as well? Did you expect or just one season for each? Or Well, you know what? Um, I think because of the amount of money that was being pumped in by Netflix, I would have expected it to go, you know, much longer than it actually did. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, well. it, yeah, it, it felt like, you know, at the time, it was kind of... The Marvel Cinematic Universe was already taking off quite a bit. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had, you know, 22 episodes a year season. So it felt like, you know, if you do five shows with, you know, 10 to 13 episodes, that's only about three seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. effectively, right? Yeah. So 39 episodes and three seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, yeah. um, it, it, you know, it's 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 felt like a massive undertaking to go, right, let's jump into this and do all four of these shows. Some of the characters you know, would have been very minor players in, in comic books that I would have read and some of them absolutely massive, like Daredevil, you know, having his own movie in the past, that kind of stuff. Um, so I, you know, I, I was hoping that we would get a big TV universe, which is what this really, the confidence that they started out with Marvel Netflix, that's, you know, that's what I was really intrigued by. You know, this idea of having four shows coming together into a fifth is, that's massive world building that no other show by that stage had done, you know? Uh, yeah, it is. It is a shame as well. I mean, it would have kept you guys on your toes as well. Uh, like the scheduling wise, uh, you know, one season would end. What was it? You get like three? Did you get? Did we get like three seasons in one like year? Or we eventually got to three seasons in a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. which would keep you guys quite. I mean, you you guys obviously, and through other reasons, I'm sure as well, change your format um, to try cater to. Um, to, to bring out these reviews, I guess, on time. And, uh, you know, some people, again, other people had opinions of it. Um, I, I, I really love the, uh, the slow burn, actually, Derek, myself. Um, you know, the, was it the one, one episode uh, a week, right? Because you did, you were doing two a week by the end of it uh, we, we move, we've moved around a few times uh, depending on depending on when they happen because I think the biggest thing for us is trying to make sure that all three of us are there Chris, myself and John that's our, our core group um, but it's almost impossible at this age in our lives we're all in, in you know reasonably big jobs and travelling and all that kind of stuff so um, so sometimes you just can't do it but we, we aim for two episodes a week um, for the Marvel Netflix shows Um but then they started to kind of run into each other and then movies came in and then covering something like 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 Gotham as well, which was 22 episodes a year as well, on top of the 39 Ooh. that were coming out on, on Defenders. Jeez. It's massive, you know? It is massive. Um, so, yeah. So at least with Gotham, we kind of had that thing of, right, the episodes air on this day. That means we record this day and the episodes come out on this day. You know, we had a very specific, it comes out on Thursday nights, we record Friday and it comes out on Saturday or Sundays, pretty much where, where we aimed that. But... With the Marvel Netflix shows, it got to, you know, as I said, you'd, you'd lose half your audience because they'd all watch it on day one 
and you we we'd be very lucky in getting one or two episodes out on the first day because you know sometimes we would get access to the episodes before they they came on Netflix. But we get one or two episodes out, and and people would join us and be really in, intrigued, and then they kind of think, well, nothing that you have said speaks to the end of the series now so mm. and i'm already done and off i go you know so it's very different uh kind of podcasting yeah it's a very difficult thing to try and uh yeah to try and cater for because there's so many different variables they're just saying people might binge it people might draw it out you know um so your your audience is all over the place in that regards um and I think, you know, you, you, you said it earlier on, um, the way you watch your shows is you watch an episode or two and then you'll listen to a podcast about an episode or two. Yes. Um, people do that. I think, I think the average Netflix say is like two and a half episodes is kind of the maximum the most people do. You'll hear tons of people go, I watched the whole, ep- whole season in a day. But the vast majority of people who watch a show is two and a half episodes, which means you don't actually know where they're, where they're going to finish on those. So I know some podcasts, I know one podcast that does an entire season in one episode and then never talks about those characters again for another six months and then comes back and does another episode, which I think, I don't know, that, that's not for me. I know another, another couple of podcasts who've bunched them up and gone, right, we're going to do these three episodes in this podcast, which means you're telling your audience how they should be watching yeah, the show. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and that, that's a really hard thing to kind of, uh, to manage and expect of, uh, of the listeners. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Luke Cage season one was the last season... I watched where I was doing what you're saying, like two or three episodes. I was, I was doing them in a bundle, and then I'd listen to, and then you know I'd, I'd watch another chunk. But obviously, um, uh, different you know period of my life now where I've, I've got less mm-hmm. time to actually watch uh, TV. Uh, so I'm happy to with the boys. I've, I'm like there've been a fair few weeks between, well, a few weeks between watching the first and second one. Um, but I, I do love, you know, what you guys do with the podcast. And I love it because it's, it's like supplementary, um, you know, uh, enjoyment along with the show. So you watch a show, you enjoy it for what it is, but there's also another bit to it, which is your podcast, uh, which, uh, kind of adds a lot more to it because you guys, you really do, um, get in there and you, um, constantly amazed at the um amount of analysis you know in in the best way possible way i'm saying um (laughs) that you get into the show and you do kind of really do i mean there are so many things i i discovered about the shows that i probably wouldn't have picked up you know if i hadn't listened to your shows so uh and it just adds a lot more in you know satisfaction to watching the shows uh so yeah thanks so much man Thank you. No, like we do, we do hear some really nice feedback from from our audience, which is which is great. And I think that's effectively what we wanted to start out when we wanted to start podcasting. That's the real reason. It's not to put our voices out there. It's to to kind of connect with a community of people who are like minded, people that are interested in talking about these shows. We have a couple of rules for how we do our podcast, I suppose, which is a good little bit to throw in here. You know, really, one of the things we want to avoid, one word that we try to avoid in our podcast, is obviously. Um, because it's obvious to me because I've seen the show and it's <laughs> oh, obvious yeah, okay. to, to you because you've read 20 or 30 years of, of comic books, but it may not be obvious to the person that's watched an episode of the show and jumped in and, and wants to hear people talking about it, you know? So we try to avoid that. Now, from now on, you will always hear the word obviously in our podcast, but, <laughs> but we do try to avoid it because we're trying to talk to people about about these shows that they obviously love because why would you seek out a podcast about it if you didn't love the show? Yeah, no, no that's a good rule actually <laughs> as well. And, and yeah, you don't yeah. want to be kind of... Um, 
I don't know how the best way to describe it, playing down to your your audience by saying, yeah, obviously, like, you know, you should know this because you know you should know this. Why? Why? You know, you, you're exactly the same age as me, and, and you've spent all of your life reading comic books just like I did. Yeah, yeah exactly, all of your life exactly. watching loads of TV shows just like I did. It can't. It can't be that way. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then the the other rule we have is that everybody that makes a TV show and movie is trying to make the best possible TV show and movie out there. Yes. Um, so we try to look at it through the prism of what were they trying to go for here. What was the what was the best possible outcome here, and how can it be fixed in the next episode? I didn't like it now. Could possibly something happen in the next episode that will fix that problem? Because <laughs> otherwise, you can just tie yourself up in knots trying to uh, criticize something that could actually be fixed next episode. Oh yeah, the, the, there is that. Um, yeah, that that too. You don't want to fall into that trap. You know, people work really long and hard on these productions, and uh, and and that, and what actually what I do like about your show as well is obviously you don't obviously I'm saying <laughs> you, <laughs> you see tell <laughs> it's catchy uh, you don't lord everything just for the sake of lording stuff you know if something something is good it's good if something is bad you don't pan it but you do you know let it be known that the episode is a little flat or I wouldn't defend it something like you know something along those lines so uh, it's, it's good honest reviewing as well and I'd say more often than not I, I'd say I'd, all the episodes I've listened to I tend to agree with yeah <laughs> nearly all of your um, summations <laughs> of the episodes uh, with some of the episodes in Netflix um, they are quite apparent that they are kind of, I don't know, not as good as some of the other ones. So, mm-hmm. um, but the other, there are other more subtle ones as well, which um, which you guys make good cases for 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 and against. I guess that's what I'm saying. There you go. I think I know exactly what episode you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so uh, oh, we've got Samuel's coming here. Hello, Samuel's. You've got the drinks. Thank you. Parched, Samuel. Parched. Yeah, yeah. This uh, this cold weather. Is it cold over there, Derek? Oh, sorry. Breaking the illusion. Is it uh, cold across the room <laughs> there for you? <laughs> it's, it's kind of summery over this side of the room. How's it over there? Uh, it's a little cold. Uh, that's why I've got a little gas heater next to me, next to the fire. Right. Of course. Yeah. See, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's a split personality library that <laughs> we're in there. That's it. Uh, no, thank you very much, Samuels. That was a decent time. So, yes, you shall be paid this week. Well done. Off you go. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, so, anyway, Derek, uh, before we get into... Um, we'll get into your books for sure, don't worry. And we'll get out of this mansion. What do you reckon? Um, it's, uh, you know... We need to we need to breathe and we need to reinvigorate ourselves in a different environment when we talk about your books. But... Um, but before we do that, just a couple of other things I wanted to then actually go into. So rebranding, well, re-rebranding, mm. right? Because you were... Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Was it TV podcast industries before? Um, so uh, kind of to do with doing a, a show like Hannibal. That's where we came up with TV podcast industries. Because um, Hannibal, as you, as you mentioned, has no connection to anything we were doing before. Everything we were doing had to be based on a comic book and... Hannibal is a very different show for uh, for a much more adult audience, I suppose. Um, in a way, you know, obviously loads of adults watch the shows that we are covering, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. but that's where we wanted to to, to go is to do uh, a, a completely different show in a place where we could talk about whatever we wanted to. Um, and then, as you probably know from from being in some of our our podcast groups, and as, as some of the listeners may know, as 
uh, hearing some of the uh, the podcast or some of the shows that we have covered over the years, everything collapsed in the last twelve months. Um, we covered Gotham, which finished uh, earlier on this year. After five years, we covered all the Netflix Marvel shows. Uh, all of them have now been cancelled. Um, so that's kind of the end of an era for all of the shows we've done. So we're now we're kind of brand new coming back with with brand new stuff that we're covering at the moment so uh so we wanted to get back into um having one big bucket to say right this is all the stuff that we like come on board and and join us we're still actually separating out all of the shows into their own individual feeds for people to just pick up whatever shows they want to but if you want everything that we cover we have tv podcast industries which is one central location for everything it is it is quite handy um actually that's where i've migrated to as well um just because it has everything kind of in there which is so uh, when i say that because uh i think you guys were doing the um the jessica jones season three uh that was coming out and then around that time right um there was a the tv podcast industries came about uh, is that correct yes yeah absolutely we we kicked off tv podcast industries with a with a brand new show uh, on there yeah so i was uh i was kind of like oh should i still use the Defenders TV podcast or the TV podcast uh, industries. But, of course, the boys uh, was in, in their good omens as well. Uh, actually, having said that, I may have just uh, revealed some of the things. Um, why don't you... Um, can you let the listeners know? Uh, so what sort of shows are you covering now? And maybe, actually, what are you planning to cover, apart from, I guess, Penny Dreadful, which was mentioned before, in the future? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, right now we um, we've just finished our, our Good Omens podcast, which you mentioned there, Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. I'm a huge Neil Gaiman fan. I think everybody who sat in this chair in Grant Mansion has mentioned at least one Neil Gaiman book to read yeah. if you're a comic book uh, reader. I haven't included any Neil Gaiman in my in my top four. Another little spoiler for you, but I'm a massive fan uh, of Neil Gaiman, and to get the opportunity to cover a brilliant adaptation of of, uh, of Good Omens on, on on Amazon Prime earlier on this year was fantastic. Um, so, so that was one of our first shows just to do on its own on TV Podcast Industries. Uh, did that in, in association with the Walking Dead cast, which uh, which is interesting. That's uh, that's So just to kind of come full circle on the reason I got into podcasting, and now um, I I'm, I'm kind of did a podcast alongside them for, for Good Omens, which was cool. cool. Um, then right now we have two episodes a week coming out. One episode about uh, The Boys, which comes out every Wednesday. And one episode about Pennyworth, which is the prequel to the prequel. So prequel to uh, to Gotham, uh, Pennyworth, which is airing in the US, a 10-episode series as well. Um, so both quite adult shows. Mm-hmm. The Boys is connected to a comic book. Pennyworth is just tangentially connected to the DC universe, but uh, but still something that we, that we know. And because of our, our many years on Gotham, we have a lot of experience with the character of uh, as created by those showrunners, who are the same people that created Pennyworth. So there's, there's kind of lots of stuff going on there but a lot of work still going into uh, two episodes a week now so oh no absolutely and i've uh, a little shout out as well to chris from uh from your stables with his uh chris's corner do you love that uh with his absolutely yes in our in our boys episodes yeah given give, yeah given the comic kind of perspective of the boys, yeah. which is good. I, I really do love it. Um, truth be told as well, Jerry, and look, I've even told, <laughs> I even told, told JMD Mateus that as well. Uh, unfortunately, DC is not my strong point as well, So, um, and unfortunately I don't listen, watch you know, many of their shows. Uh, so is Pennyworth, Pennyworth any good at the moment? How would you rate it? Pennyworth is kind of middling right now, where um, we have been lucky enough to get the full series uh, in advance to do, our, to do our podcast about, which is really cool. I'm really 
pleased that, that they've kind of trusted us with that because um, it, it helps us so much to be able to get these episodes and talk about them and, and, and watch them. Um, the first three episodes are mental trying to get into this universe, trying to understand what's going on because it's set in the early 60s and we have a very young Alfred Pennyworth, which we've never really seen. We've seen him on Gotham, but we've never seen a young Alfred Pennyworth um, going about his business just after he came back from the war. But you realize quite quickly that it's a very different version. It's it's DC's version of 60s London. So there's some weird stuff going on, uh, which, yeah, like, you know, people getting executed in the streets, that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, so it's a very different okay. world <laughs> yeah, than we, that we've seen. So, um, so yeah, so, so I think it's building up and it's getting better. Um, we're, I think we've been, I think John's been given the ratings of this one. He's been given them around a three and a half to a four kind of, kind of okay. area. Um, we haven't had a five. We haven't had a five yet, but I think there's one coming very soon. And so, who who are the um, who's the the production the CEO that uh, does Pennyworth? So weirdly, uh, Pennyworth is um, it's still produced by Warner Brothers because they have all the uh-huh. rights for, for oh, DC. Of course, but they yeah. they created uh, Warner Brothers Horizons, which is a, a new TV production company. Um, so it's on a TV channel in the US called Epics, which is a really very new channel. It only has uh, only been around for about a year. So, um, so they've given full creative control to the to the guys that oh. that run Pennyworth. But the actual people behind it are the same people that kicked off Gotham, um, Bruno Heller and Danny Cannon. So, if you did like Gotham, and there are a lot of us out there, if you did like Gotham, this is going to be interesting to you. A little more adult take, but uh, but oh. definitely um, definitely in the same kind of vein. Cool, nice one. Um, and speaking of Gotham, uh, Derek, going back to it, just finally as well, this, this, this was my attempt at a segue. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I <laughs> uh, just wanted to uh, have a chat with you about your the people that you've come across, you know, the, the creators, yes. um, the actors. Uh, I must see one of, the, one of the perks of podcasting, I guess, is that you do get to touch base with people that you would have, I guess, admired from a distance. Um, so the first one I'm going to pick, I've got to, I'll put a list over here in our, um, in our prompts, uh, here, Derek, but, uh, Jerome Flynn, that must've been a really yes. cool, yeah. And that was actually, you, you were, were you on a stage? You were on the stage, I right? I certainly was. Yes, I certainly was. Yeah. Um, so were you nervous? That was at, what? Uh, I was absolutely <laughs> off the walls, uh, that day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, I had, uh, Effectively, Walker Stalker Con, which I think is, has gone to to Australia a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, they they bring on cast members from The Walking Dead and from uh, from Game of Thrones um, quite regularly, right. uh, and from some other shows. But those kind of the big they're the big two. Um, so I was kind of lucky enough to to be asked along to present on that because of my connection with The Walking Dead cast. Now, like again, cool. you know, I wouldn't have had that four years ago, but they they're aware of what I do in the podcast and that kind of stuff and. Um, and Jason, who's the, the host of Walking Dead cast, has, uh, the two of us have become quite good friends. And he's quite, he does a lot of the panels at these shows. But um, but they travelled over to London to do one particular show. Uh, and it was in the last season now, coming up to Game of Thrones early on this year before the show had finished. Um, when I got the opportunity to uh, to interview Jerome Flynn, who was hilarious, and it was but it was on a stage in front of you know a couple a couple hundred people had gathered yeah. round oh uh, to watch it, which was like. <laughs> Really bizarre. You you know the feeling. You sit in front of a mic, mic all the time, and you record yourself, and sometimes edit bits out, and you know fix how you say stuff. But when you're standing in front of a uh, hundred people going, 
and not able to Absolutely. look at notes, of course, because you know need to be need to feel yeah, uh, oh, God. <laughs> in control. But he was great. He was a really, really lovely guy. Um, I think what what he found really weird was about fifty percent of the people that were at the convention were there because of a TV show that he did many, many years ago. Or not there for him for that TV show, but only remembered him from a TV show he did many, many years ago in the UK uh, and for a, a, a band uh, that he was a singer in. Oh, he was a singer? Call him a, he was a singer in a duo, a duo who did a cover version of Unchained Melody that went to number one for about about 10 weeks, I think, in the UK. Oh, wow. So he would have people come up to him about this song that he'd done 20 years ago, not even knowing that he was in uh, Game of Thrones, and just talk to him about that for 10 minutes. And he, he was talking to me on stage about that, kind of going, you know, if I'd known yeah. that all of these people were here and that's all they would remember, I would have brought it on the single so I could sign that to give to them. You know? <laughs> that's so weird. That would have put him in such a weird Isn't headspace. It? I mean, it's, it's kind yeah. of humbling in the fact that, you know, they're there not because of his Game of Thrones status but also you know he he did have you know some fame before and so that must have been quite flattering uh, it would have been yeah that would have been really good to to kind of see that um you know up close as well and he does look like a really nice guy i mean despite his character in game of thrones um yeah he, he looks like a a pretty decent decent fella um uh-huh, absolutely yeah, you mentioned also as well, like with the the Walking Dead, the Walking Cast. So Charlie Adler, the the artist. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we got to uh, interview him last week. Um, yeah, hot off the press as we're, as we're recording yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely fascinated. I'm I'm a massive Walking Dead fan, um, particularly of the comic books. And Charlie Adler's been he's been the uh, the artist on the book since about issue seven. Uh, so almost. From the beginning of the series. Um, okay, I thought he did all of them, but I mean, like, that's a monumental task. Uh, yeah. Do, do you know what other stuff yeah. he's done, just incidentally? Uh, he has been so focused on this book. We go, we go into it a little bit on uh, on the podcast itself, on the interview itself, but he's been so focused on the amount of work that he puts in into Walking Dead that it's only really in the last year that he was his time was freed up a little bit to do some other stuff, and some of that's only coming out now. Um Interestingly, he's he's done a lot of stuff in uh, in French uh, comic books, which is a, a kind of a, a completely side thing that I'm not hugely aware of. I'm, I'm very much the big two and some of the kind of subsidiaries of DC and Marvel, but uh, a lot of there's a lot of French comic books that are uh, that that sit completely outside of that. And he's been involved in doing a bunch of those uh, over the last year or so. Uh, has a lot of them coming out at the moment, but but it's actually like it, genuinely his his uh, his career is has been predominantly Walking Dead for 15, 16 years. You know? Wow. Yeah, I mean, he is a phenomenal artist. Uh, and it's, you know, actually, that's one of the good things I find. I mean, I'm not as big a Walking Dead fan as you, Derek. I've got the compendium, so I've got, like, the first 48 issues or so. Um, but to have that consistency in artwork all the way through and, and in writing uh, for such a long time. Um, the, the Walking Dead comic just wrapped up not that long ago. Um, what number did it get up to? Oh, sorry, I, I don't have it with me. <laughs> well, that's probably one of the most interesting things because it came out of nowhere. It was issue 193, so not an issue that would that would anybody would have thought would have been the end of the book. So, uh, oh, so a lovely wow. surprise for everybody. Uh, really, really, they did a great job of just surprising everybody with this issue. They they'd drawn um, three covers for what could have been the next three issues, which would have completed a final compendium. I think. Um, I think that, that, that would have been the numbering of 196, I think would have finished a compendium. So they did that so that it would look like they were going to be putting out more books uh, for the next couple of months and then just drop this. And it was only because retailers started to open it and started to read it the night before 
uh, it was actually released on shelves that people were aware that it was the final issue. So, so there was quite a few people that got into that read the last issue not knowing it was the final one until wow. they got a couple of pages in. You know, so. continually surprising uh, uh, the audience and the readers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, you know. Yeah, one of the great things about you know, Walking Dead for me, so similar with Game of Thrones, is that how anything could just turn all of a sudden, and you know, it's, it's that huge shock that um, synonymous with Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. Um, also, as well, I've got so you met up with a lot of the cast and crew of Gotham. Yes, yeah, yeah. Over, over the years, we we I mentioned earlier on about going to New York for uh, New York Comic Con. Um, I remember the photos. Where, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Myself and John went uh, went locally to New York Comic Con a couple of years in a row. Um, yeah. But the first year we went was specifically because Gotham was coming out, and we were going. Look, why not have a holiday and spend a week in New York? Hey, it's awesome, and it happens to be the week that New York Comic Con's on, so we'll get tickets for that, <sighs> so and off cool. we go. You know. So that was that was totally the plan. We planned it months in advance to go along to to this massive event, which is now like you can't get tickets for for Hell High Water. You know, there's not not a chance. But um, but we specifically planned to go over, have a holiday, see New York, uh, and just spend this weekend, this, this four days at the event. But we contacted the the PR team before we went over. Said who we were. They were aware of us weirdly because they have to be aware of everything when they're launching a new show. Aye. <laughs> um, and they basically said, "Come on into the press room and and." Uh, meet the cast in there that's so cool so yeah so we were really lucky and i'm i'm quite pushy i realized after a, <laughs> after a little bit of time doing this stuff i'm quite pushy with my voice and my voice does stand out quite quite well in a large room of americans talking to actors um so good it's really good, good. i'm very i'm very lucky <laughs> in that <laughs> because we have yeah, effectively the interviews that you do with these cast members is, is a round table of you know four or five members of press you know i'm talking i think at a table at that on the first one i think we had like uh, a person from the new york times you know was at the table with us uh, and then we had there was another blogger at the table and another quite big variety magazine or some other big magazine but my voice came across quite well so people were letting me ask questions a bit more good. when cast good. members were coming up and one of the most interesting people, one of the people that I knew before the show started, was Sean Pertwee, who's the son of one of the one of the doctors, uh, John Pertwee. Um, Sean Pertwee's on the show. He plays Alfred on the show, interestingly. But at the end of our round table, when we'd done all the interview and he was walking off, he pointed over to me and came around the table and said, I'd love to be on your podcast. I've heard about it from the PR guys. Um, get in contact with my person and we'll, and we'll do an interview later on in the year. So, uh, so he was our, our way in. And once he'd been on... A couple of the members of the cast were were really interested in coming on board, but that's, so that's cool. where it all came from. So, yeah, yeah, that's so great. <laughs> that's, that's great. I mean, because like you know, that's another level, isn't it? I mean, you're actually uh, rubbing shoulders with the people that are actually there doing their <laughs> doing the stuff, you know, creating <laughs> the stuff that you're actually reviewing, which is and for for them to come over to you and, and say, look, I'm happy to do it. I mean, that that be so um, gratifying. I, I reckon. Um, it was absolutely one of those weird moments where you go, oh, maybe, maybe this is, maybe we are doing something right here. Yeah, um, absolutely. Know, that's all. It, that's all it is. You know, we've we've had this conversation, and, and I'll I'll share it with the loony listeners. Why not? We've had this conversation, which is literally, you know, we are a podcast. We're talking about TV shows. If the cast want to come on board and have a, have an interview with us, we're perfectly happy doing an interview with them. But we certainly are just becoming friends with these with these people, and they're not becoming friends with us. It's absolutely a conversation between us about the TV show. You know that that's where it is. That you know, I'm I'm always fascinated to hear anybody that that is interested in hearing our show. We constantly call out to people to record their voices and send it into us as feedback. We want to hear loads of different voices, and if it happens to be a cast member from the show, awesome. That's that's absolutely great. 
Um, I'm, I'm always, I've always liked talking to other people, and, and I love having people on the shows to talk about their work and talk about you know the, the things that they've done. We've had um, we've had cast members from Gotham who've done two episodes of the show who are absolutely fascinating to talk to, and just as fascinating to talk to as people that are on every single episode. You know, so. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just really depends on you know what stories you can tell and what you can bring as well. It's and that's great. I mean, also as well, same, very much the same with um, with what we're doing. It just love to get other you know as many different voices as we can and chat with people. Yeah, um, you know, I love chatting about, about stuff that interested <laughs> in. Uh, you know, been I mean, to, to getting the likes of yourselves and uh, you know Chris and uh, other podcasters. As well as being fortunate enough to have interviewed a couple of um, writers and stuff, it, it's been just—it's been just so fun, hasn't it? It's like it's—it's uh, uh, it's such a strange thing. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's—you um, can get the best stories just from, you know, I don't know, just like the loonies, or, or, or you know, it all depends on you know what what you ask, what you can give. Um, yeah. But that's it. Like I, I want to hear, you know, I want to hear the opinions of of everybody that works on works behind behind the show. I'd love to interview every single person who's ever been on any of the shows that we've covered because I want to know what they were thinking about when they were going into that scene, or if they were directing it, what they were aiming at. You know, we had one of my absolute favorite interviews um, that we did was uh, having Shiohadari Coker, who was the showrunner for Luke Cage, um, who contacted me by direct message on Twitter and said, "We've been listening to your podcast." Uh, I'd love to come on if if you'd be interested in, in having me on. And we we had a list of about a hundred questions to ask Geo Coker. Yeah. I think I got two questions in uh, that I had planned in advance, and he talked for two hours about his entire career and everything, all of Luke Cage and all that, everything that he was involved in. And he was fascinating. I absolutely loved it. I would I would love to have someone just talking like that. It's great. <laughs> Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you could tell he's a passionate guy. Like, I mean, I, I follow him on Twitter as well, and I could totally uh, see him um, just jumping to uh, and to actually to to be listening to your podcast <laughs> avidly, because it, it seems like he immersed himself in um, as showrunner for Luke Cage, rightly so, because it, what a gig, you know. Um, so, so I can just imagine him just. Um, you know, absorbing all the comics. You know, looking at the podcasts and stuff. And uh, yeah, that was such a such a cool interview. I, I loved it. And we we left our camera on at the beginning of it by mistake. We just called him from camera on Skype, and he turned on his camera and just sat there talking to us over camera phone for for the two hours, which was cool. Yeah, you might mention of his was it his shirt? Yeah, he was wearing. So yeah, I, I had the sense that you guys <laughs> were videoing. Uh, yeah, the, I think the famous story from from him about his his reviews that he's done is that uh, after the first episode of uh, first season of Luke Cage dropped, he got in contact with someone who'd reviewed every episode and uh, and asked them to give feedback to him. So he responded to someone had, who had done a review of episode by episode of Luke Cage season one, and kind of went. This is our template of how we're going to do a better season two of the show because this is what somebody thinks we did wrong in season one. So that's, wow. his, that's his famous story. So, yeah, good guy. Well, and you know, you can see that with um, that kind of almost a love letter to the fans with the Power Man and Iron Fist mm-hmm. team up in season two, which was so awesome. Uh, and that was, um, dare I say, obviously a reaction to fan probably you know fans wanting mm-hmm. it um and and so it was really great to see and and i think he he nailed it as well the relationship between the two how they kind of work together how they kind of um fought together um brilliant stuff yeah anyway derek 
um, thank you so much for sharing all uh, about you know your introduction into comics as well as podcasting, uh, as well as the great people that you've met as well. And now I think it's time that we uh, we fly off to uh, to look at your top four Isla Ra books. Uh, so let's say I um, give Conchu a bell, and uh, I think he will um, drop us into a an appropriate locale. Are you? Uh, have you got your coat with you? Oh yes, yes. Just hang up over here. We go get it. Yep, let's go. Yep. Excellent. All right, we will be right back, loonies, um, to look at Derek's uh, ranked third and fourth Isla Ra books. Catch you soon. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. We are Venomaniacs. Is the Venom Site official podcast for all of your symbiote news, reviews, and point of views about Venom-related comics, movies, television, animation, and merchandise. We are available on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Google Play Music, and YouTube. Join us, won't you? Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. This is an ILRA sessions, and we have a very special guest, Derek O'Neill from TV Podcast Industries. Now, Derek, there's a bit of an echo here. And uh, again, look, I wasn't happy with Samuels. I'm not happy with Conchu. Um, apologies for the location that we've dropped. Uh, it's a bit cold. I'm glad you've got your coat. Um, yeah. Yeah, are you are you okay with this? We are in a West Georgia Correctional Facility. Uh, I really don't know why we are here. Well, I probably can tell from. Mm. <laughs> Derek, I have why. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to look at one of your first books, Derek. Um, ranked in at number four from your top four. I'm, I need some special effects of choo, choo, choo. You know, number four. <laughs> Fourth book, we... Um, Happy to reveal Walking Dead, issue 19. No surprise here, Derek. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so this is uh, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Charlie Adler, which we were um, just talking about previously. Now we are in the correctional facility because... Um, oh, Eric. Oh, not Eric. Derek. Why not? Um, <laughs> can I ask you to uh, maybe give a brief summary of the rundown for this issue? Yes, absolutely. Yes, this issue uh, takes place at the start of, uh, of Chapter 4 of, uh, of The Walking Dead. So we're into, into the second half, I suppose, of the story where um, Rick and his team are trying to take the prison, which people will remember from, uh, from the TV show. Um, there's a big reason why I love this issue, though, because we have our first introduction to the character of Michonne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Straight off the bat, page one, right, isn't it? Yep. Um, I thought actually when I opened this up, Derek, uh, issue not, I mm-hmm. thought that was probably probably a little to do with Michonne for, for yeah. you. I don't know why. <laughs> um, is she a fair, is she a character favourite of yours in Walking Dead? She is. She is my absolute favourite. One of my one of my prized possessions is uh, is an, an original 
page from uh, from an early issue. It's not unfortunately this issue, but an early issue of, of The Walking Dead with uh, with Michonne and her wonderful katana. So uh, so I have an original piece of artwork from this. Um, but this book, it, it it just came out of nowhere. This character of Michonne, you know, we had a lot of very realistic storytelling early on. What would happen if the world went to crap? Um, is is the whole premise of The Walking Dead? When the zombies rise, normal humans have to deal with it. And then we had Michonne walk in um, with two two uh, two zombies tied to the back of her shoulders, uh, keeping other zombies away while she cut them in half with her katana. And it just felt like a brand new breath of fresh air to this book. Um, before it even needed a breath of fresh air. So, yeah, it's um, well for me because I've watched the TV series before, uh, reading the comic book issues as well, and she had the same effect in the show. I thought, um, yeah. she just seemed so um, so deadly, you know, and and, and a little mysterious, um, very capable, um, you know, of handling herself. And there was that, yeah, that kind of the mystery dangling with the those two zombies at the back. I remember. Um, oh, this is weird, you know, seeing in the TV show. <laughs> what? And, I mean, obviously assumed it was um, to do with a, a deterrent for, for zombies. Yes. But, um, but there's a lot in this issue, Derek. Uh, look, rereading this, so as you mentioned, it was, a, um, it was the correctional facility, it's the introduction of Michonne. Uh, there's a bit of a power play happening in the, uh, in the prison there with, is it, is it Dexter? Um, uh, Dexter, yes. Yeah, um, and they've kind of, um, kind of looted the the armory, and they've got weapons now. And there's a very tense moment. Of course, the horde of zombies come. Uh, I was good to see Otis in there as well. Uh, I remember yes, him because it's been such a long time since I've watched a TV show and read this as well. Otis in the TV show was he the dude that um, was left behind by John Bernthal? Is that right? Exactly. Exactly, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, it's slightly well, different, I, I think, in the comics. Uh, I think. I think he's portrayed slightly different. Or, or, anyway. Yeah, very very much so. I think at the, at the time when the TV show was going on, they very much were saying, right, we're going we're gonna to slow it right down and we're not going to tell issue by issue on the TV show and we're also going to change things up so that people are, are going to be surprised even if they didn't read the comic because realistically, The Walking Dead comic has probably been one of the highest selling comic books put together you know, of all time, it's, it, it seems to be in the top ten every time they release an issue, even though it's not from the big two books. You know, that, that's quite a massive achievement over the it's, years. You know, oh, it's phenomenal that pretty yeah, phenomenal. That this is, yeah. yeah, exactly. So they knew they knew people would know every character. They knew um, that if they put a character on screen, it was going to get a big reaction from comic book readers at the time, anyway. Um, so. So they would change up things with some of the minor characters. You know, there's, there's characters that died on the TV show back in season two who were still alive right up until the end of the book. You know, so um, so it's always interesting when that when that stuff happens. But the introduction to Michonne, I think, was was specifically built for comic readers because I think it came, if I'm right, it came right at the end of either a half season or a season, and um, to get people back for the next season, basically. So because uh, it was like, who's this woman? Uh, go out and buy the comics, and you'll and you'll be able to read it during the summer while we're on a break, kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and she has that kind of you know without she's got that good balance of being very comic booky looking like you know she's got the, um, the swords she's got the zombies at the back she's got you know killer dreads happening um, oh yeah but also you know she doesn't look um, hammy in the TV show at all like she still looks very Absolutely. grounded in it so 
Um, so immediately recognisable from the comic book fans, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and that would have got, you know, that would have, um, you know, raised a few eyebrows. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. So uh, also, as so the main the main choice for this Derek was was Michonne as well. I found the um, one of the the biggest things here that happened to me after rereading it this afternoon was uh, was Rick uh, shooting Dexter. I mean, yeah. It's it's that that's the big play I think in this issue here, and it it kind of resonates a bit, and it, it is kind of a culmination as well of what has been building up. Um, just from memory, from the issues, um, but yeah, I mean, is how do you, how do you see Rick? Is he one of your faves apart from Michonne? Is he um, is he a good leader? Uh, he's very flawed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and I think that's what makes him so fascinating to read um, in the books. You know, I'm very much a, a story driven reader of comic books you know it, it, it was fascinating the interview we did with Charlie Adler where he does describe The Walking Dead as being a 50% book 50% uh, the writing and 50% the artwork because he does do a significant amount you can see it even in this book here he does a significant amount with the with how the characters are seen in the pages but Kirkman's I suppose Kirkman's um, writing for a character like Rick you know he's a central character but he does a great job of filling out the rest of the world around him as well um, and he does a great job of him not being the Captain America of the Walking Dead universe. You don't need that. You need a, a real person who makes mistakes sometimes and then tries to build on them and try and tries to correct them. That's what makes this, that's what made it so interesting to read as a comic book. I think so. So while Rick's not one of my favorites as a character, mm-hmm. I think he's still one of the best characters in comic book history because of what he does and the choices he makes and what they lead to for so many of the other characters around him. And the fact that people still continually seem to trust him as being their leader. And he stands up to every challenge. is probably is probably what makes him so interesting. He does. I mean, again, and I I haven't read as thorough Walking Dead or actually watched um, some of the. I think I've, I'm still only up to like season seven or so. But this thing of Rick, um, obviously having to do the stuff that no one else will, but also at the same time, you know, and being a good leader in that sense. But also at the same time, there is a level of fear that you know people would have of him similar to like Negan right um, yeah he was so successful as a leader um, but he he ruled with with a lot of fear which was um, a lot less so than than um, I mean sorry Rick does that a lot less so than Negan but um, but yeah the massively um, flawed as you say um, but very compelling to actually read uh, yeah, so this was uh, your number four pick here, a very solid issue, number 19. Do, do you remember, um, uh, so where does this head towards? Um, we're heading, um, again, going off the, my TV show knowledge, um, the governor should show up soon, shouldn't he? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. He shows up very, very soon. I think it's by, so by issue 22, I think we have the governor in the book. Uh, might even be issue 21. It's very much, you know, this whole concept that, that may have come across or may not have in, in the TV show. It, it's writ large in the comic book. If you find a place that everybody wants, well, everybody wants it, you know. Um, yeah, so you yes. will find other people coming after you to take it back from you because it's a really solid place that they that they found here, you know. Um, so, yeah, I remember the TV show like going this stay here forever I mean like you are well set up here but I mean obviously that it showed um, later on that that wasn't the case um, with the governor did he have a tank he had a tank didn't he in the TV he show, brought the he? tank 
yeah, <laughs> absolutely breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> and there was that scene as well, I think it was, again, Herschel, that's it. Um, he had quite a um, horrific death scene there at the hands of the guy there from memory. Yeah, um, yeah that's right. Uh, again, didn't die in the in the comic books there, but uh, but Rick did lose his hand. Rick did lose his hand there. That's what I was about to say as well. It's so weird, isn't it? One of the things um, that uh, when I was reading this comic, damn, like Rick lost his hand so early on, like, yeah, and, compared yeah. to the TV show. And I know that you know there's very much differences between the two, but that's a big thing. Um, so all the way up to. Again, no spoilers, Derek, all the way up to 193. I'm assuming Rick um, hasn't got a bionic hand or anything like that. He's, uh, uh, he does have a replacement hand, but it doesn't really do much. Okay. It doesn't really do much. It's just it's a, a replacement hand. But I, I do remember the, the, the Robert Kirkman saying that that was the one thing he regretted. Um, yes, once re- he cut off Rick's hand. Well. Is, yeah. Yeah, it, it just kind of restricted the character. Uh, and interestingly, Charlie Adler, one of those covers I was talking about earlier on that he drew for the later issues... Um, one of those covers has a character that looks very, very like Rick Grimes, but he's holding a gun in the right hand that he lost in issue 22. So I think that was a little reward for, ah. for him to get to draw Rick holding a gun in his right hand. There you ah, go. that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yes, so, well, I mean, that was number four walking. Oh, did you hear that, Derek? No. I'm not sure if you heard that sound in the distance. I'm not sure we're entirely alone here in this facility. Oh, um, have you got your uh, Have you got your shotgun <laughs> with you? Um, yeah, yeah. During the break, uh, we forgot to mention um, Derek heavily armed himself. I don't know why, um, uh, but anyway, Derek has got a, uh, a shotgun and uh, and an axe, which is uh, mm-hmm. not unlike Rick. Um, so, <laughs> um, please have them at the ready, uh, Derek. I thought I heard something. Um, so I'm not too um, not too happy to stay here too long. We do have your number three book though. And your number three book is Original Sin, number six. Now, this is six of eight, and this was written yes. by Jason Aaron and art by Mike Diodato Jr. So hang on, let me just uh, let me crack this one open as well. So, yeah, so um, first off the bat, why did you choose this issue? Uh, well, I think there's one reason at least why. <laughs> there, there is one. Uh, the variant cover has Midnight on the cover. Uh, <laughs> of course, that's, that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, I was trying to find my digital copy of this, and I have, the, I have every issue of the original Sin run. I was trying to find my digital copy of this issue because I know it was my favourite of the, all the issues. Um, and I went on to Comicsology, and I, I couldn't find it in the regular run. And I found out I bought the uh, the extended edition, the full edition, Ooh. which has like forty pages of awesome like that that I had artwork, um, nice. all of his all of his covers, all of the uh, all the pencil work that he did. It's magnificent, and I love this book. Um, for, His for, art is brilliant. It's yeah. beautiful. And Jason Aaron, you know, he, he's a writer that I love many, many things that he's done. But can I reveal the reason why? Yeah, sure. Why this is my book? Because this is one of the best appearances of Nick Fury. Uh, that, that's <laughs> there, really. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. I had an inkling, because when I was reading this, this was a damn good read, and it does, um, there's, a lot, there's a big juicy role here for Nick, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you, you guys, uh, as, as Mooney fans, will probably recognise this uh, tendency that Marvel have to um, give a book to a, to someone who has an idea of what they want to write with your character, like Moon Knight, and, and Nick Fury had, had this on many, many occasions. And then they drop it all and then restart it or reboot it or give you a new story with the character. 
I think how he was used in Original Sin, where they finally showed old man Nick Fury for the first time, um, which is what we see here. This is the issue that kind of reveals what Nick Fury has actually been doing for the Marvel Universe for his entire, the entirety of his career, um, which is so fascinating. Really, really interesting. It is really good. It's, um, uh, and in this particular issue, he uh, basically is looking for a replacement, right? Um, exactly. Which we get later on. Yeah, so let's, let's set up Original Sin a little bit uh, as, as a book itself. It's effectively that the Watcher, who's been watching over the world, has lost one of his eyes, been killed, and his eyes have been taken from him, and his eyes reveal to all of the Marvel Universe all the secrets they've been keeping back, um, which is a fascinating twist uh, for, for all, all, of the, all of those things that people didn't know are suddenly revealed to the world, which is fab. Really, really great, and a great way to actually go into all the individual titles and to create these cool stories, like all tied in with them having their deepest, darkest secrets kind of revealed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nick's involved because he uh, he is trying to solve the murder, as are all of the heroes. They're all trying to find out who released this and, and who's the one that killed the Watcher. Um, but we find out that Nick has been serving this purpose where he effectively chooses what battles everybody fights because he's been the one blocking the other battles from ever reaching Earth. Um, he's the watcher on the wall and he's getting so old that he needs a replacement uh, for him so this issue this issue 6 is effectively where everybody finds out Nick's purpose and what he's done um, which is just I I, I love the idea of the entirety of all of the Marvel heroes not knowing what was going on behind everything and that kind of seems to be the position of Nick Fury on many occasions (laughs) throughout his history has always been this guy that's the shadowy figure of the background pulling the strings um, but this one, I think, particularly just worked really well. Mm. Oh, no, absolutely. And, and uh, very smartly constructed, I think, by Jason Aaron. Uh, a nice take on Nick. Uh, and it, it actually, yeah, I mean, it explains a lot of things, like, yeah, actually where, you know, where he is. You get a lot of the LMDs as well, which come to cover for him. I mean, that, that's part and parcel with Nick Fury anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, obviously to see the real dude, uh, the real guy there, what he's doing, um, I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad the likes of Moon Knight's there to, to, to see it. Uh, it's, fu- it's funny, as you mentioned as well, Derek, and, you know, this is nothing to take away from the issue, um, but, you know, yeah, Moon Knight in a very small role, um, you know, could have could have had him do more. <laughs> no, Absolutely. Anyway, that's, that's just uh, <laughs> Ant-Man's there, which is pretty cool. Gives Nick a good, a good punch in the face. Punisher, yeah, yeah. Dr. Strange in there. Every, everybody's in there, and it's, it's kind of one of those wonderful reveals, as I say, that nobody in the Marvel Universe at all has known that Nick's, do, Nick's been doing this for 50, 60 years at this stage, you know? Um, which I really like, because everybody thinks that Nick's on their side. Everybody that's worked with S.H.I.E.L.D. over the years thinks they know what Nick's all about, and I like, I like this idea that he has been hiding something quite significant from all of them. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's a moment in here, actually, which is, I think, quite telling. Uh, it's just on one page with uh, Nick um, being greeted by Uatu, Uatu, the Watcher. Um, and it's almost like as if he's the, um, you know, the Grim Reaper, uh, because Nick's dying. Uh, but he chooses he chooses not to, because he knows that Uatu's watching him because it's a significant moment, obviously, in, in the universe. Uh, so... Uh, Nick's about to cark it, but he, uh, you know, he perseveres and, and uh, he has to have this thing done. So, uh, yeah, very, um, very well, very well written. Uh, I, I'd suggest 
anyone to read the original. I've, I recently picked up all the um, the floppies, Derek, of all the all the tie-ins. I've gone a bit went a bit crazy. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, so I haven't read them yet. So like the uh, all new invaders, uh, stuff like that. I think it was Guardians of Galaxy, uh, the Fantastic Four issues, all all the kind of um, peripheral um, titles that were connected to it. I wanted to actually you know read the whole whole thing because uh, it is a good read, um, Looney. So if you haven't read it, um, there's a little bit of Moon Knight in there, uh, but this is a really good tale of Nick Fury um, and what happens. Oh look, spoilers, right? It's been gone for a while, so yeah. Um, who who does replace the uh, Nick Fury as a watcher on the wall there, Derek? I know. I'm just uh, yeah. I, I yeah. I love the choice. It's uh, it is Bucky. Um, mm. Yeah, Nathaniel yeah. Barnes takes his rightful place as the man on the wall. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting. I think we'll we'll probably get into a little tiny bit more. I promise I will constantly talk about this, but we'll get into a little tiny bit more. But it's interesting that always over the history of Nick Fury, he's been connected with. Captain America and Bucky Barnes quite significantly over the years because they were the only people really that were in the war and are still around. Um, you know, Human Torch, that version of Human Torch hasn't been around very much, but, uh, but those two characters played a significant role in his history and he's kind of tied to them, so I love the choice of passing this on to Bucky at the end. And he does seem quite suited for it. Um, very capable for it. So, yeah, so... Um so, well, what did you think of? Um, there was also the the other play with the the villains. Um, was it Midas? Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, and actually, I'm actually reminded also you, Derek. Sorry, I've gone off in the tangent here. <laughs> AR. So this this comic had the old um, the augmented reality that Marvel was did. experimenting with. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I love this idea. I, I really enjoyed it. You know, unfortunately, um, I don't buy physical comics as often as I used to because I'm a comic a local comic shop unfortunately, anymore, so it's something that you kind of miss out of, miss out on. Um, but I really love this idea of having you know, the artist tell you how they drew the page and, and started from scratch, so I suppose this is why this digital copy of the, of the book has so much additional material, because it had the AR as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon they should do more of it. It was very good, I really did enjoy it. You, you flash your, your phone over it and you get extra information, it was really yeah. good. Uh, oh, okay, uh, there's a bit of Bit of noise, a bit of ruckus here, Derek. Uh, can we get um, out of here? We prob- yeah, we probably better head. Oh, hang on. Yep, thanks for that, Derek. Yes, Derek, just shooting off a few, a few. Uh, what do you call it? Buckshot. <laughs> um, let's get out of here. Uh, we've got uh, two more books to uh, talk about for Derek's Isla Ra books. We're going to go do a break, and uh, we'll we'll be right back. House of L. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. We are two of the many, many survivors of Krypton's destruction, and we have made our home in Australia, and dare I say have become Australians, for better or worse. But we have also decided to read Superman comics, read Superman books, watch Superman shows, cartoons, movies, basically everything Superman, and from an Australian perspective as well. Whether you're a seasoned fan, like me, or whether you are coming in fresh, wide-eyed and wanting to learn more like me, then this podcast is for you. Join us for our bi-weekly adventures available on all good podcast catches. So just search for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. We'll be coming to you from Australia or some cosmic dimension, wherever we are that week. Up. Up. 
up and away. The swamp, more than merely a place. It is a churning, seething, bubbling bed of life of which you are a part. Once you were a man, a chemist named Ted Salas, until one little experiment went somewhat awry. And you changed. The serum that was to have made you a super soldier combined with the strange forces in the swamp to make you over into this, a shambling, mindless mockery of your former humanity. The macabre Man-Thing. Man-Thing was created in the early 1970s to capitalize on the growing monster craze, but under writer Steve Gerber it became something quite different. Experimental, surreal, and very, very weird. It was something I loved as a kid, but does it still hold up today, four decades after its initial publication? So join me, Paul Matthew Carr, as I attempt to make sense of this cult classic and analyze each issue, putting it in the context of the time it was written and comparing it to the standards of today. And maybe you, too, can come to love the world's second most famous swamp-based comic book character as much as I do. The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast, a twice-monthly dive into the bizarre. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. Um, really, Jake. Uh, again, apologies. Conshu, uh, look, he dropped us in the middle of a correctional facility uh, surrounded by zombies. Uh, we have Samuels taking too long for our drinks. Uh, look, now, though, it seems to be his, um, he's come up with the goods. We're on board the Shield helicarrier. This seems a lot safer than being on the ground when the zombies are around. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I, I saw the wing. The wing was invisible. That's that's great. That's um, all right. You know, we're up here in the clouds. Uh, we're flying um, due east. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's where the sun is. The sun is on my left. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, we're looking at your your top two desert island books. So, so Derek. So if you're you're stuck on the Isle of Ra, right? Okay, you've got nothing but coconuts, a bit of uh, a bit of fish. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit of shellfish to eat. Nice. You have Walking Dead, issue 19 with you. You know, that's check. That's in your pocket. Uh, you've got Original Sin, issue 6 uh, of 8 with you. Check. That's good. It, you know, and you know the rest of the story, that, which is good. Um, you've got a nice story told there of Nick Fury. And yep. you have the introduction of Michonne. We've got your number two book here. And this is Gotham Central, issue 10, by Greg Rucker and Michael Lark. Now, this was a ripper of a read. This is a good, good issue, isn't it? Um, mm. this, this came along as a shock for us. So, uh, so Gotham Central as a book is effectively, what do the cops in the GCPD do? Uh, that's the whole premise of the book, and I love the concept of it. You might understand from a conversation we had earlier on about Gotham TV podcast that this came to us a bit late. Um, this book was written back in 2003, um, and when the main actor in the role of Jim Gordon uh, was cast, Ben, ben McKenzie, when he was cast, uh, he po- posted on Twitter, these are the books that I've been given to read to give me some kind of insight to what Gotham's going to be like, and one of the books was Gotham Central. Um, so we read and reviewed every issue of Gotham Central. There's only 23, 24, I think, uh, issues of the book printed. Uh, so it's a short, short enough series of, of books. Um, but 
the story that absolutely jumped out to me uh, when reading it was a story called Half a Life. It's a four-issue arc within the series uh, about the characters of um, Rene Montoya, would be probably a, a reasonably well-known character uh, in, in comic books. Um, but this, in, in these issues, she is just simply a GCPD officer um, on the beat who's being targeted by Two-Face, a big uh, Batman villain who I think most people would be aware of. <laughs> um, well, yeah. But but I do think I think this this issue we're talking about issue ten is is the is the Gotham Central issue that that uh, kind of finishes the arc and as I've mentioned earlier on Ray it, it's always difficult choosing one issue of a book especially with a big with a big reveal I suppose that's going on but I think the the issue itself was quite quite well handled um, effectively you've got a supervillain here who is is kind of in love with Rena Montoya and he's pushing her to uh, to to be in a relationship with him even though she's a lesbian um, and there's a really interesting part of the story here where she tells him you know I can never be in love with you I'm a lesbian and he kind of goes well I'll just make sure that nobody else will want you and you'll have to come to me um, because Two-Face is crazy and that's kind of the that's kind of I, I, I like the take on him here because they're absolutely showing that he, he lives his life by, by flicking a coin and whatever path he's being told to take that's the path he takes so that's kind of where we are with half a life and i really do enjoy the, the storytelling in here uh, greg rook is a really interesting writer i've read quite a few of his books after this um but this was kind of my first introduction to him as a as someone to pay attention to okay yeah, yeah it's a very solid issue look did did um did two-face did he have like um did he admire montoya from a distance previously and, and such or uh, there, there is an issue earlier on in, in one of the Batman books where they had a connection, they had a conversation kind of thing. So there, this is a, a, a follow-on from a previous story that, that they'd had. But I suppose one of the one of the pleasures of reading Gotham Central is, you know, something that would take place in you know a panel or two of a Batman comic book. Gotham Central really spun that into you know what what actually happens when these these characters go home at night. You know, um, you know. The kind of idea of maybe maybe Harvey Bullock has a more complex life behind him being, uh, you know, a drunk GCPD officer who takes bribes. You know, maybe there's something more complicated behind that character. And they started looking at those kind of characters. There's so many people in here that ended off being in the Gotham TV show at the beginning and then fell out when they turned it into the show about the villains as opposed to the GCPD. So this was a really good instructional kind of issue to find out what was going on with these characters in the minds of the writers before they cracked what they wanted to do with the TV show so yeah I, I think this is a um, yeah this is a really intriguing nice little perspective of um, of telling a tale and yeah I mean it, it makes total sense now Derek the tie-ins with Gotham the TV show yeah. you, you know yeah. when you gave me the um, the list of four uh, you know, I just thought, okay, well, this is... Uh, I knew you were a Batman fan. I thought, well, you know, this is just a, a nice steady read for you. It's pretty cool. Um, incidentally, as well, uh, Derek, one of um, our previous guests, David Finn from Signal of Doom, he did make... He he um, reminded me that he had this uh, this very issue as his honourable mention as well. Wow, very good. Books. So I <laughs> uh, didn't make the top four, but, like, it was... He wanted to, he wanted to mention it. So it's... Um, and I've been told by other people you know go read gotham central so um i like this idea about it's concentrating on the other um the other characters uh and batman he although he makes an appearance here it's only very fleeting uh, it is and there's i suppose this is the fourth issue of the four, of, of the four issue arc i suppose so there's a great moment where they realize actually 
in this particular issue, and he's not Batman's not supposed to be around at all for the whole series, um, but in this particular issue, they realise he's actually been taking uh, been taking the form of somebody else in the GCPD. Uh, he's been doing an impression of them effectively um, because they, nobody knows what Batman looks like effectively. So, uh, so I love that he's kind of had had been impersonating somebody earlier on in the books, and then at the end, he uh, he wants the GCPD to get the collar. He wants them to arrest Two Face. So, uh, so he shows himself effectively as Batman. So it's a nice a nice touch. Is that a, that was something I never knew before? Is that something that he usually does? Like, can he impersonate people, you know, rather well? I don't. I, I have never seen much instances of it. Very much. He, I suppose the Batman persona has always been that he strikes fear into the heart of the criminals. So when he when he wears his Batman outfit, that's what he's doing. Is he's he's not just punishing a criminal. He's making sure they're afraid that they're going to get caught by him again, or or he's going to be the one to find them. So that that's the whole persona of Batman. But absolutely, he's a detective. He is. Uh, he he has used the ability to to hide himself. I think if I remember right, Batman Year One would have been the before he becomes Batman, he absolutely dresses up in, in different rags and different different outfits uh, within that to build up um, to build up uh, information about people around him. But uh, it's not often used. No, 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 not at all. Um, and look, mention has to be made of the artwork here as well. Michael mm. Lark. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I've seen his artwork. I love his artwork. It might have been Hawkeye or something. There, there was some Marvel title. Um, which I, might have even been Daredevil, I think. Um, but uh, his art is, yeah, it just works really well with the colours here and the inking, yeah. like a lot of shadows. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's part of the part of the pleasure of this book. It's it's um, it is a, a book that's written by by three people. I think uh, they're the only three people involved: two artists and, and Greg Rucker um, from the beginning. So it's a, another book that it is the vision of these people brought brought to life over the course of the of the book. And I, I love the artwork in this. There's some great moments. Um, I think I've mentioned about Rena Montoya being uh, being a lesbian, and it's only in this book that she comes out to her family. And I think it's a wonderfully handled scene because oh, so that often, was so good, yeah. yeah. It's just so often in these books you do have a character coming out to their family, and then it's oh, that's fine, we knew, you know, kind of thing. And that's not the case for everybody, you know. To to have this here where she does have her partner D um, waiting for her while she tells her parents, and her parents turn their back on her and say, "Don't ever come back home." But she has her partner yeah. there with her, and it's so well done as well. Again, like we have, um, we have a, a little bit of a silent comic happening when she go, um, Montoya goes up to the apartment, uh, and it just is D kind of waiting for her, and then you can see silhouettes of uh, Montoya and her parents is talking up uh, in the apartment above. Uh, Dee's just sitting on the hood of a car. Um, yeah, just waiting, and uh, yeah, and it, and it just ends the next page with just um, yeah, with just eight even panels of, of basically Montoya telling her what what's happened up there, and you're seeing a very like from again what I saw Derek was um, essentially a very strong character in Montoya, um, not to say that she's not strong at the end, but you see her vulnerability at the end. Absolutely, and, and and again, it's it's probably the balance of the relationship between the two of them is what comes across so well. You know, Dee is a, a, more of a minor character in the book, and Rena Montoya has, has broken out and has become quite a big character in the DC world. Um, after after these issues, she does become a, a bit of a superhero in herself. Um, she's been seen in, in TV shows and movies in the past as well, so she is a character that, that people do know. But this moment here is effectively saying that herself and Dee are in such a strong relationship that she can break down and Dee can take care of her. The, the final lines of the issue with 
with I've got you is is what their relationship's all about. And I think that's it's really important to see that that side of things as well. You know, and I think this is just why the issue is such a good one. Yeah, no, it absolutely, it certainly is. Um, it's probably a silly question, Derek Montoya. Just so she's in Gotham, the TV show. Uh, she was in the first season, and in fact, the actress who played her, uh, Victoria Cartagena, um, was our first ever interview on a podcast. She came on um, uh, on our, our sixth our sixth episode, I think, our seventh episode. Um, oh wow, cool! We, we got to interview her, and we actually got to interview her twice that year. And then her character was unfortunately removed from the TV show. They decided to go a different way, and uh, she didn't come back for the second half of, of season one. Um, yeah, so she's such a big character. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think I think that's one of the things you'll probably know, even even in some kind of peripheral knowledge of Gotham, that um, it started out as a as a cops and robbers TV show. Um, oh, and then you said it's going to yeah, yeah, it became the the villain comic book TV show. Yep. Nothing wrong with either of those things, but uh, but once they did that, it, it changed away from this idea of Gotham Central. But th- this gives you a great idea of what Gotham could have been on TV. It's not for the mainstream. It's not for a massive budget TV show, of course. Um, but this is this was always really intriguing. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic work here. Um, so yeah, um, that was your second. Oh, um, oh, Derek, have you shined your shoes? Oh, um, yeah. Just let me comb my hair here. I think we see uh, Nick Fury's coming our way. Oh. Uh, hello, hello, Nick. About damn time. How are you? Yes, we. Um, well, Conchu brought us on board, on board the heli character. Oh, uh, Carrie. <laughs> I'm, I'm stumbling in front of you, Nick. It's uh, it's an honour. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I, this Nick Fury Jr. right here in front of us on the helicopter. Yeah. That's, I know. that's amazing. Cool is that? I got my eye on you, Nick. I, you know, I, we we've just changed our name recently. We used to be called Defenders TV Podcast, and and we're now TV Podcast Industry. But everybody keeps calling us by our old name. Like, is there any advice you can give us about this? This you know new name change to TV podcast industry. I know you changed from Marcus Johnson to Nick Fury Jr. How did you get people to kind of stop dealing with you as Nick Fury? You become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. Right. Wow, Nick, that's um, that's very profound. Yeah, um, absolutely, Derek. I think we we've got to kind of wrap that up in a bow and uh, and put it somewhere very special. Uh, very Nick, important. your words just. Uh, just astound us, astound me, astound Derek, astound mm-hmm. the world. Speechless. <laughs> yeah, Nick. Look, you know, while I'm here as well, I just wanted to ask you, you know, why hasn't why hasn't Moon Knight ever been featured on screen? I mean, like you've got ABC's Agents of Shield. I mean, surely he could show himself on Shield. We've made some mistakes along the way. Some very recently. Oh, okay. Oh, so you admit it was a mistake to not have him on there. So Moon Knight will definitely be in the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. next year, yeah? Nobody spills the secrets because nobody knows them all. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Nick. Um, hmm. Those words. Uh, look, we'll be sure to tidy up here. Uh, yeah, Derek's... He's got a little bit of blood and and, uh, and, and flesh bits on it. We, we've just come from the West... Um, the correctional facility so yeah. uh, we're a little bit shabby but we'll be sure to clean up or scrub up uh, we won't touch anything it's all good the world has gotten even stranger than you already know thank you well Derek wow geez okay there's a big man here he's come to just see how things are because we're up to your final final book your top book this is yes. your top dog uh, yes Derek. 
this uh, I've, I've specifically broken this one out for you, Ray. This normally sits in the uh, on the wall behind me in, uh, in a cover. <laughs> oh wow! Um, oh wow! So really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what Derek is alluding to is none other than Nick Fury, Agents of Sh- Agent of Shield, the number one, released in 1989 by Bob Harris, Bob Hall, and a cover by Kim Demolder. Yes. Oh, I love this book. Um, yes, this is Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Volume 2. So the first, first book since, uh, since the 70s featuring Nick Fury as the central character, uh, an ongoing series. So, um, so think about that, Moody fans. We had, uh, we had Strange Tales in, uh, in the 60s, um, eventually got about a 10-issue or 12-issue series in the 70s, and then nothing until the end of the 80s. Uh, we had a couple of little specials uh, out there, but no ongoing series. So there you go. I know, so we can't complain, uh, really. <laughs> um, yeah, and any Nick Fury Shield fans, man, you've had it tough. But uh, <laughs> but what an issue this one is, uh, Derek. So I read this first from the the list, obviously. Um, you know, sometimes I have different ways of of reading the um, the list that that people give me. I thought I'd give this one a crack first because I know Nick Fury. I know Shield is such a big thing. Um, for you, and uh, yeah, I read. It. I thought this was this was great. Um, how would you kind of summarise this uh, this first issue? Well, and this is probably where the interesting part for me comes from. Um, this is directly after probably my my favourite uh, Nick Fury short series, which is Nick Fury versus Shield. Um, it was supposed to be the death now, the final end to this to Shield as a as a character in all of the comic books, this major organization. Yet this is the kind of restart of it all again. Uh, Nick Fury's on his own; he's retired, sort of, um, from Shield for the first time since uh, since it started, um, and he's being followed and tracked down by uh, by effectively a newer version of Hydra, or at least uh, his former nemesis Baron Strucker's. Uh, gang effectively to to catch him so this is a brand new story starting back up nick fury and shield again and from this point onwards um this is where i got into comic books so this is carrying on my story of how i got into comic books this is the issue that got me into comic books yeah right yeah and and um so so sorry um so drake so the the one prior in 1970 so you read that retrospectively yes so effectively for my 13th birthday, which was in October of 1989, my best friend gave me this issue um, of Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, he knew I was a fan of spy stuff, like James Bond. Uh, knew, I liked, oh, okay. um, knew I liked kind of war stuff, like uh, like uh, war movies, that kind of stuff. Uh, and he picked this up uh, in the recently opened, uh, at the time, uh, Forbidden Planet. We never had a comic book store in Ireland at the time. Um, and he picked this up for me for my birthday. And the minute I read it, I went... This is a massive universe. Most of the story is just contained within characters that you wouldn't know unless you read Nick Fury. There's no appearances by Captain America or anything like that. No. Very unusual for a first issue to have no appearances by any other major character in the Marvel universe. But it told me I needed to. It's my first book that I subscribed to. I got it every month. Went back and read Nick Fury versus Shield, which opened me up to that old world. And then, yeah, I've. I've pretty much got every appearance of Nick Fury in comics that I could that I could find purely because of this book. And this this issue as well and uh, Nick Fury versus Shield uh, similar characters obviously the supporting characters here are very strong indeed. 
Absolutely, and some some quite recognisable to Marvel TV and movie fans as well. I'd say. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember when um, ages ago, Derek, when you recommended uh, Nick Fury versus Shield, uh, I got that digitally and I read it. I, I loved it, and that was my introduction to uh, to Mac, like Mackenzie. Excellent. Yes. And um, I was like, oh, oh, that's Mac, and because it, um, I think Mac was called Mac. In the you know in Agents of Shield back in the early um, season as well, so it was a little bit you know a little bit vague, but then you know Mac McKenzie, it's like, oh this is this guy and uh, yeah yeah, um, oh God, what's it De Allegro is that her name Countess and the Countessa De Allegro de La Fontaine yes the Countessa, it's a, she's a massive character has gone all the way back to the sixties it's kind of the original love interest of Nick Fury when he was the the Playboy James Bond character from the sixties. Yeah, so she, she's always been around as a, as a sidekick. Uh, Mac was this interesting uh, guy that didn't really believe in S.H.I.E.L.D., this uh, CIA operative, kind of the outsider perspective. And I think they have carried that through into the TV show, into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., with that character of Mac, who's, the, who's someone that saw S.H.I.E.L.D. a bit from the outside and kind of questioned the authority of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. a bit. So, so while I think I actually pointed this out in a S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, chat group a couple of weeks ago. That's how much of a nerd I am. Um, that the character <laughs> of, of Mac on the, uh, on the TV show show is based on Al McKenzie and the books and nobody knows it it's it's uh it has gone down its, its own path people have completely forgotten about Al McKenzie from this run of, of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so um that does happen yeah I mean because uh, yeah I mean I guess it was I was fortuitous to have read the, the thing around the same time S.H.I.E.L.D. came around when Mac was in so I just I just thought they they went together um Alexander Pierce as well he's Absolutely. Uh, He's here, so some of you um, would know that he made an appearance as the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., right, in Winter Soldier? Exactly. Played by Robert Redford? Yeah, not a very Robert Redford character in the comic books. Um, he's uh, absolutely dedicated to Nick Fury in the comics. He's the, he's the guy that, that Nick Fury went to and trained him up as his own, his own agent outside of S.H.I.E.L.D., effectively, which I, I loved that arc that was in... Agent, uh, Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D. and then it was taken into this book as him being kind of the protege to, to Nick Fury so uh, so very different to having Robert Redford in the role Yeah, and look your, whoever your best friend is Derek he, he's probably got you right to a T oh, when yeah. he got you this gift because you used to say you like espionage this, this is what I was going to ask you earlier um, I was holding off on it um, with your inclination towards S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, yeah, if you had any interest in, say, um, war stories or war comics or um, or spy thrillers and stuff? But yeah, you mentioned so James Bond's a big one. Um, oh yeah, that you like. So uh, yeah, so you're loving the Daniel Craig. Uh, how, how, how do you rank him amongst James Bond? Um, oh, Craig, Craig is fantastic, and I think that's probably if you lived in the UK and Ireland during the eighties. You know, it, it would be a shock if you didn't spend every single Sunday watching one or one or other of the James Bond movies. It was just they were they were ubiquitous with a Sunday afternoon. You know, um, despite the fact they aren't amazing movies, looking back at them now, saw spy thrillers like that. Um, you know, as I've gotten older, I've watched loads of seventies movies. I went through a whole phase a couple of years ago of just watching seventies spy thrillers because I absolutely love that that style. And I think what Nick Fury uh, personifies is that kind of that style of, of spy thrillers, those really intriguing um, 
really intriguing thrillers. And I think you know that the what I love about him as a character over the years is they've they've shrank and uh, and expanded Shield over and over again. Sometimes it's this massive organization with millions of people working for it, and sometimes it's just a team of three or four people uh, with Nick Fury in the lead uh, as this kind of shadowy figure. But that's all here in this one little issue. Um, where you can see these massive machinations going on in the world and you can see this tiny group of people as well uh, that, that he's surrounded by. So I, I really do think this is a... a it's my introduction, so it's, it's for me it's the quintessential introduction, but you can find so many other issues that would speak to you uh, if you do like the character. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a very strong issue, and as you say, it's so different from not only because it's, it's an older book now, reading it compared to what I'm reading now, but uh, it, it is... Yeah, it's its own it's its own corner uh, in the Marvel universe. Uh, it's it's very well ri- I'd say it's very well written. It's surprising actually the way it was written. Um, and so when was it released again? Uh, nineteen eighty nine. Okay, yeah. It's there's still. I mean, you could argue that um, the style of the way it was written is is quite different to those of the late eighties, early nineties. Um, it's uh, it seems a lot more. Um, I don't know. Say thoughtful because I don't want to put down the rest of the other comics because they're all very thoughtful <laughs> as well. But um, yeah. very much in that genre, I guess, of the espionage. Um, so there's a lot of intricate things happening. Um, yeah, and uh, who is this, Derek? Maybe you can explain this to me. Who is this lump? This lump intrigues me. This little <laughs> fella. Um, I know. Is it a yes. mutant under there or? It is not, no. Uh, if you'll remember in uh, Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the Deltites uh, took over the inside of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra and all of those different groups. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, oh, so Lump is, yeah. Lump is the last surviving member of the Deltites, so completely intricately connected to Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D. So you can probably understand as a 13-year-old kid when I read it, I was exactly the same as you, <laughs> yeah. which was, I can't wait to find out who that character is. And I think it went through about 20 issues before they actually addressed it. Wow. Um, oh, and you, would, you wouldn't have even noticed in Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D. that character is somewhere in there as well, yeah. but they don't really explain it. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's an intriguing uh, an intriguing little character in the background for a lot of issues. Well, so. <laughs> I mean, him and the little... Oh, sorry, sorry, I got that mixed around. Him, who is little, <laughs> and the mm-hmm. uh, the Death's Heads, the, the two killers that you see at the beginning, are very violent as well. I mean, there's no holes barred here. They kill the two uh, the two agents, um, and you see, I mean, like maybe it is actually typical of uh, some of the '90s comics later on, where um, where you actually see a lot of stuff. Like he, they snap or they break this woman's neck <laughs> um, in the first uh, instance. There, uh, there are plenty of '90s comics where you, you know you'd argue shouldn't that be a Max comic, which is a bit more censored. Uh, that's not to be, you know, there's nothing like that here. Uh, yeah, apart from the Death's Heads and Lump, um, that's the only kind of connection to the rest of the Marvel Universe for me, Derek, because it's a little, you know, out of the ordinary. They're a little uh, spectacular. Uh, apart from those two, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty much a, a solid kind of um, spy thriller. I love also what we do see, Dum Dum Dugan as well. Uh, yeah. He has a little bit of a, um, what would you say, it's not like an origin, it's kind of, there's a turning point for him here. Yeah. yeah by, the end, by the end, he hasn't survived the issue. Uh, by the end, he hasn't survived the issue, and I suppose that's one of the big things, is he's been a character that's been around since, uh, since the early 60s at the side of, of Nick Fury. There's 
Nick Fury is one of those really weird characters where they gave an origin and a reason why he has long life, but forgot to give that origin to any of the sidekicks that were around him. Um, up until Original Sin, actually, there's a little little tiny touch there. Um, they didn't give it didn't give a reason why everybody else that was in his crew in World War Two is still you know early 30s or late 30s, uh, all the way along for the rest of the season. So Dum Dum Duggan had was someone that was right beside him from back in the early 60s and then he gets killed in this first issue of a brand new book uh, in a way it was them effectively because Nick Fury versus S.H.I.E.L.D. was throwing away the past and saying let's start again this book is saying right we really mean it everything going uh, out here and we're starting this from scratch yeah pretty bold I mean it's a pretty bold uh, you know move because you know uh, nothing to take away from Dum Dum as well it's not like you know they're killing Spider-Man or anything but if you're a S.H.I.E.L.D. fan he's a pretty big character um Absolutely. so yeah no that was um that was quite a shock as well uh i'm just going through the issue here derek uh and then so you have nick obviously he's honing his skills he's been you know um missing for a while they do find him uh he's um who he's with i'm just trying to look at the the lady with the glasses um kate kate neville okay <laughs> kate neville again yeah, I, I think as, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, you'll find with with uh, Mooney and with and with characters like uh, Doctor Strange and and with Nick Fury, you'll find that when they disappear off the books for uh, a couple of years, they completely forget about all their supporting characters. Um, Kate Kate Neville was a character that he got he kind of picked up and made join his crew back in, in Nick Fury versus Shield. She stayed around for the entirety of this run, this forty eight issue run, and then I think he didn't have another run up until uh, two thousand two, if I'm right, maybe Gosh. maybe a bit earlier than that. Wow. Um so all of those characters are gone as well. Uh, Al McKenzie doesn't appear again. Um we do guess uh uh, Alexander Pierce comes back, but Kate Mulgrew, or Kate, sorry, Kate Neville's gone um, after the after this run. Yeah, so. well, because like you know, um, yeah, I mean she's one of the, the the core crew, obviously here. I mean she's featured on the on the um, on the front uh, as well. Nice, um, nice cover. I'm just looking at that as well. That was by the Molder. Yeah, yeah. That's more of a modern looking the the classic. Co- oh, actually, sorry, I'm looking at the. Um, sorry, here's a re a retouch up. Oh right, yeah, on the, on the digital. Yeah, yeah. I have my physical copy that that has been sitting in on my wall for uh, over ten years. So, uh, yeah, it's still beautiful. Um, I still think that there's a, the training the training montage of of, uh, of Nick Fury in the middle of the book where he's he's in his own uh, his own danger room. I guess uh, if anybody's an X Men fan, uh, that's what it feels like. He has his own danger room to keep himself trained. Like this guy is in his seventies, effectively. So, uh, so but he's still keeping himself uh, polished like any younger kid. I think it's one of the great little montage there. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, so, I mean, no um, uh, no points. For, yeah, I mean, like, this was has a very nostalgic um, value for you as well, Derek, but as well as touching all the points of what you kind of, you know, you, what you're into. Uh, sorry, war stories as well um, and military stuff. Did yes. you, do you follow a lot of war comics before or were you into war movies and, and stuff or how did that... You know, genuinely, I, like I like a few a few war movies. Not a, not a massive fan, but Nick Fury led me to so many weird uh, destinations over the years in space and into uh, yeah. into space comics and into and into war comics and into spy comics. You know, um, it, it's amazing how he's been used by so many writers to to uh, go in different 
areas of the Marvel Universe, but certainly War Comics was something that I never would have read if it hadn't been for, for Nick Fury. Um, and there is a there is a great Sergeant Fury. There's one absolutely great Sergeant Fury issue, issue number eight, uh, where he loses the, his first... Um, uh, his fiance gets killed um, in in that issue, and that's that's something that if you read any war comics at that time, early sixties particularly, it was all about here's the diverse team getting together to take down the Nazis, and that's what most of Nick Fury comic books were about. The Sergeant Fury and his Alan Commandos, that's what most of them are about. But that issue and issue eight is kind of a turning point for Nick Fury as a character. He never really settles on a relationship from that point onwards. Um, and it's a really interesting little little comic to, to check out. It's, a, it's another another one to, to have a look at. Okay, so number eight, uh, yeah, definitely. I was about to ask you uh, just finally as well, Derek, but you probably answered me just then. Um, so, does he ever have any love interest with um, with Kate or with with the Count Countess? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, he does. Both. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, both. Oh, it hasn't stopped him. Obviously, issue eight is. Yeah, but there's never he's never uh, he never gets married uh, over the course of his, his career. He's always uh, he does have that James Bond mold. Uh, effectively, he had that one love that was lost. Um, in Holly, I think is the character's name from uh, Sergeant Sergeant Fury. Uh, and then yeah, over the years, the relationship with the Contessa and the relationship with Kate Neville uh, changes. Uh, but particularly the Contessa, her, her storyline is a massive, uh, massive storyline. Eventually, when they use her really well. Secret Warriors would be the one to check out for for a great Contessa story. Okay, um, and is that Jonathan Hickman? No, it's Hickman and Bendis. Yeah, Bendis kicked Bendis. it off, and then Hickman okay. ran with it. Uh, Jonathan Hickman did the, the majority of the one run, but I think they started off uh, plotted out the first couple of issues together, and then Hickman took it and, and ran with it. It's amazing. Oh uh, well, uh, loony listeners, that will most definitely be in our show notes as well for you to check out, as well as Derek's four books uh, are now revealed to you on this podcast so uh, I can uh, I can um, vouch for all four of them here they're, um, they're very very cool very solid selections Derek um, and very diverse as well so uh, it was really really a nice selection and uh, thank you so much for um, going through the, the arduous task of actually trying to find four issues <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me on and yeah it is, it is almost impossible to pick not just four yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Walking Dead. I mean, hey, that, that's such a, that's a brilliant series, uh, and and these are just like touchstones as well, aren't they? I mean, like you know, if you yeah, are on absolutely. the island, they would jog all these kind of mem- original sin as well. You got your issue six there, um, that would kind of jog your memory for the whole of the series. So, uh, very well chosen, um, and very well chosen for you to last uh, your infinite time on the desert island. You know, not that we ever wish anyone has to be on a, on a desert island for um, eternity or such. But no, thank you very much, Derek. Um, and, and thank you so much for, um, you know, elucidating your um, your thoughts on getting into comics and also the ins and outs of podcasting. Thank you so much, Ray, for having me on board. It's an absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Oh, yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't quite hit the three and a half hours that Chris did, but uh, I could have talked for hours with you. <laughs> oh, look, uh, believe me as well, yeah, I've been looking forward to this for, for ages as well. It's so cool to be able to talk to you um, face-to-face, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, rather than, yeah, you know, just online. So it's uh, it's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, as we sail away on the helicarrier, you know, there's some people there playing Gallagher. Um, there's some 
ways we are going into a waning crescent so that is our lunar pig classic run review and fingers crossed i'm going to try to get another loony involved um wink wink Luis uh, he's given me a nudge he wants to get into um, some classic Moon Knight issues we'll be covering Moon Knight Volume 1 Issue 8 so join us next week for that as for where you can find us as usual we are on email itkmoonnight at gmail.com we have a website we've got two actually you might as well say it um, into the night podcast or wordpress.com but uh, also the same information is also on our into the night.libson.com Facebook, facebook.com slash itkmoonlight, that's our page, and we have a, an absolutely awesome group, um, very fun to talk all things Moonlight and comics in general, uh, at facebook.com slash group slash itkmoonlight. Uh, we're on Twitter, our handle is itkmoonlight, obviously, and uh, obviously <laughs> they're tearing again, and uh, <laughs> of course we're in, on Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, just search for Into the Night with a K and Moonlight podcast. Uh, last couple of things, um, house cleaning, iTunes, ratings um, please if you can leave a, a rating or review that would really help us um, just to expose ourselves a little bit more in the nice way uh, to people out there <laughs> to come on board and maybe listen to us if they are so inclined uh, also as well we're all available on um, a wide variety of podcast catches Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podcoin even as well so if you want to earn some coin for listening uh, give that a go Yes, we're all on that. So, Derek, I... one fi- one final one from me before yes. before you close it out, right? Sure. Lenny listeners, share the podcast. Uh, we say this on our podcast. Oh, yes. everybody that does podcasting does it for does it for a bit of fun. Uh, if you just share it, some of your friends might be interested in it. Just uh, just click that share button and share it in your social media. So hopefully, other people that like Moon Knight that you might know might give the podcast a go. That is very, very cool indeed. Yes, please, listeners, listen to Derek. If you can yep, just share the podcast, um, share it around, we'd be eternally grateful. Um, and thank you. That would be awesome. That's a good idea, Derek. There you go. Share the podcast. Share the love. Yes. <laughs> um, so, although we are on this helicarrier, Derek, you, you, you do have a shotgun. You do have an axe. You do look a, bit, a little bit out of place. You are covered in... Um, Bristle and blood and bone. I think we better get you off to the um, to the quarters there to to get your um, shield outfit outfit kitted out. Um, but with that, Derek, um, as we always say, buddy, can't you watch over the denizens of the night? Catch you later. Thanks, Ray. and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.